Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. First issue. Hello everybody, it's Wednesday, April 24th, 2013, and you are listening to the Talking Comics Podcast. I am your host, Bobby Shortle, and I'm in the house with Steve Say. Hello. Mr. Bob Ryer. Guten Abend. And joining us for the first time, Talking Comics contributor and reviewer extraordinaire, Joey Braccino. Hello, hello. Very excited. Joey, yeah, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for helping us out. Stephanie had to duck out. Uh, a little bit late, so Joey stepped in to be our personal superhero uh, uh, for tonight. Uh, Joey, why don't you tell the folks at home a little bit about you? Well, certainly. Uh, I'm a long-time listener, first-time caller. Uh, <laughs> I'm very, very excited to, to be here. Um, I, In terms of my background, uh, I'm actually a, a teacher during the day. That's my day job. That's what I moonlight as, high school English teacher. Nice. Uh, but I've loved comics uh pretty much my whole life, and I just thank you guys for the opportunity to both write for the site and to join you here tonight on the podcast. Of course, man. Thank you so much, too. And guys, if you um, if you go to the site, talkingcomicbooks.com, uh, Joey reviews a lot of stuff. He often reviews some of the biggest books uh, that come out. Um, what has been... Uh, we're going to talk about your the favorite ongoings. It's going to be our topic uh, this mm-hmm. week, and uh, we are going to kind of at the beginning of that segment, going to make a list of books we can't talk about uh, right. because, you know, we talk about uh, Batman and uh, um, Fantastic Saga, Four. Fantastic Four all the time. And these are books that we talk about a ton. Um, and for us to say, oh, these are our favorite books, it wouldn't be very interesting. Uh, so we're kind of going to make that list and we're going to talk about them and acknowledge them as great and, and, and not leave them behind and then kind of go into our other other books. Um but uh, Joey, what? Not right now, because we don't want to spoil later in the show. But right, um, what was the thing that really got you into comics? What was the superhero or the book when you were younger that really got you into it? Uh, well, in terms of what got me into comics, my my dad grew up uh, in the late '50s, early '60s, and he used to tell me all these stories about oh, I had Fantastic Four number one, and and the first appearance of Iron Man, and then your grandmother threw them all out. Uh, so that's when what they did. Was, that's what they do, I yeah. guess. And uh, when I was younger, he tried to get me into comics, buying me, you know, single issues here and there. But what really got me into it, and I, I think this might be true for a lot of people um, of sort of my age group, is the first X-Men movie and the first Spider-Man movie, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, really got us into to the universe. And from then on, I, I just started picking up books, especially the X-Men, is what really got me in. And then... Um, I just picked up trades and omnibuses, omnibuy. I don't know. <laughs> that uh, sounds right. From that point on, and I just expanded my horizons. Just kept reading and reading. So, what would you say? Who? Is, what is your favorite superhero you're, um, out there? Uh, it is currently, after having read for so long, the Winter Soldier. Okay. That whole story arc is one mm-hmm. of the reasons why I really got hardcore into reading Marvel books. 
Um, and I'm very, very upset that his, his ongoing is, is, was canceled yeah. uh, right now. And that was going to be one of the ones that I, I mentioned today until, of course, we heard <laughs> the news that it's no longer ongoing. Mm-hmm. Um, but that the, the upcoming Cap film is featuring that character is just, just really, really gratifying for, for people that have read that character, I think. Yeah, absolutely. So your list will be the Winter Soldier memorial list, basically. Right, essentially, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, cool, awesome. Um, I have a quick question. Yeah, of course, Bob. Yeah. Uh, as a teacher, do you use comic books in the classroom? I do, um, and as awesome. an English teacher in particular, I this year actually I've I've used Persepolis, which is a graphic novel. Yes. Um, I've actually used panels from Underwater Welder, which I know you guys are big fans of. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I actually just did an assignment using the Ultimate Spider-Man with Miles Morales. I'm talking about. Um, presentation of of minority minorities great. in in media and i'm using miles morales very cool, as man. as an example there awesome that's great all right so that is joey uh obviously much more interesting than any of us so <laughs> no um, no no <laughs> uh but let's jump in away from joey uh to some news uh we had a, a bunch of pretty cool movie stuff happen uh this past week obviously last week um uh the man of steel uh last trailer dropped um, this is now our, our third look at the film, uh, our most complete look at the film as far as story and I think scope. Uh, and, and Steve, we talked a couple weeks ago about me- fixing the Man of Steel and what we do as Superman. What do you think of this Superman trailer? Uh, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. I there was a, there was a couple of uh, well, we got a few trailers this week. Yeah, we did. Uh, Man of Steel, the newest trailer, is just leaving me very very pumped. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm hoping that this is going to be the big turnaround. I mean, the the Batman films, Nolan films, have been you know great within their own right, but this is a, like officially their first foray into taking their properties a little bit more seriously. I think. Yeah. And it's just it's got a the, my initial impressions of the first teaser trailer that we'd seen quite a while ago. I was kind of lukewarm on it, but now that they've fleshed things out a little bit and shown you a little bit more of what's mm-hmm. to come, uh, I'm really, really, really excited. Cool. Bob, what about you? I love that this seems more epic, finally. We mm-hmm. get to see some Krypton. The sights, we get to see Superman flying into yeah. the clouds. It's I, I can hear the stirring. It's Hans Zimmer, I Hans guess. Hans Zimmer, yeah. 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 Just seems wonderful. I am still concerned it's a little dark in tone, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to think too much one way or the other. I need to see it in context. Yeah. I'm not going to go nuts over a three-minute trailer, but... There's something been added here. The, the scope, as you, as you put it, is now there, and now I'm really more excited than ever before. Awesome. Joey, what about you? I mean, I think in addition to the scope that, that Bob's talking about, what really got me was that short little clip right in the middle when Kevin Costner and little boy Clark, yeah. there's that moment with, I just want to be your son, and Kevin Costner's like, but you are my son. I almost cried a little bit yeah. when, when I saw that that piece, and I think that in addition to the kind of the scope and Michael Shannon screaming as Zod, I think that there was a lot of interesting Smallville stuff in mm-hmm. there, which um, got me in particular excited because I, a lot of people on the internet were talking about, oh, Superman represents hope again, and and this kind of. Um, honesty and simplicity and I, and I think that's what's getting people really pumped about the film yeah absolutely I, I think that you know that that clip at the end with with Lois in in the kind of interrogation room right. you know for one just the idea of Superman allowing himself to be taken you know to be arrested and to be questioned that says a lot about what they're doing because obviously he he, did, he could just get away whenever he mm-hmm. wanted to and it's not right. about that he respects 
ju- rules and he expect, respects the law and he's going to prove to these people by being being genuine and true and good that he deserves to be who, who he is. Um, you know, I haven't yet, I actually, thanks to a good friend of the show, Hugh Perry, he just actually sent me uh, all of Mark Wade's Superman birthright. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, so I'm going to be diving into that this week, but apparently there's a lot of, of birthright uh, in this film. And at the end, that clip at the end where he's talking about the S, meaning hope on Krypton, that's out of birthright. Oh. Um, so that also makes me very excited. You see a little bit of the humor. You know, in that moment where she's going to call him Superman and the, that, that, that kind of buzz happens or whatever. Um, you know, you get to see some great scope and action. And him flying really feels amazing. You know, you feel the energy. You feel the power. Yeah. And I think, what I, I think one of the things that the, the Avengers did um, that makes me excited for the Superman thing is that the idea of the strength, like the idea of the Hulk in the Avengers, that amount of strength was really intimidating in the Avengers, I think, in a lot of ways. And mm-hmm. that's the first time I've seen that happen in a superhero movie. I felt the strength of a character be physically intimidating. And not that Superman's supposed to be intimidating, but I feel like now I look at Superman and I think of him differently. You know, I think of, there is this guy who could literally crush your skull with, with a flick of his pinky. You, you, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But he chooses to do this great stuff, and that's a big part of uh, Superman for All Seasons as well. It's like this, if you could do anything, mm-hmm. uh, this man could do anything he wanted to do, but he chooses to save people. You know, and, and, and there, I think it feels like, at least in the show, that that's what they're, that they're kind of hinting at. And if that's the case, then I'm incredibly excited. Um, yeah. I hope the movie lives up to what the trailer mm-hmm. is promising. <laughs> uh, the other trailer we got, we got, a, we got our first look at Thor The Dark World, um, and, uh, you know, this gives us a very rough idea what the plot is about. Not really. It kind of lets you know that, and I guess if, if nobody is, if people are saying media blackout uh, on, on Thor, um, you might want to skip ahead a couple minutes. Uh, but <laughs> Sarah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, um, you, you, you learn that, uh, him and Jane have been reunited and he takes her to Asgard and there's this kind of apocalyptic situation happening that is threatening the entire universe, all the nine realms, and Thor has to stop it, as Thor is wont to do. Um, so it's our first look at it. Bob, what did you what did you think? Looks like a Thor movie. Yeah. You, you can't judge really anything. It, it's good that you know Natalie Portman's back. Mm-hmm. We get some glimpses of some other returning folks, yeah. Sif, for instance. Sif. Uh, looks, yeah. looks big. Looks big. Yeah, it looks very big. And that's the thing, I think, immediately when you look at that, te- that teaser, the, the, the scope... And the feeling of the movie looks much bigger, and and I think the addition of Alan Taylor, the Game of Thrones yeah. guy, really adds because you feel you can feel the, the 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 tactile nature of the world. I think a lot more. Those Asgard shots do not look like a set. They do not look like they're unlived in. Mm-hmm. It looks like he's walking around in a castle that has been lived in for thousands of years. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm really excited about that. Steve, what did you think? Uh, I am very excited for it. I was a little. Uh, thrown by it at first, it felt a little like disjointed. I know it's just a teaser, yeah. But the, like, you know how you watch something for the first time and you kind of you're not used to it, so you pull back a little bit. Yeah. I watched it about two or three times, and then on the third uh, watch, I finally started to you know really sink in what it was. Uh, I think what I'm most excited for is seeing more of Asgard. Mm-hmm. It yeah. just it looks really fleshed out and and epic, and I can't wait to see more stuff within that. Um, I will say I think the trailer had a, a little bit of cheese okay. on it. The mm-hmm. uh, 
Thor screaming, no! And I don't know. I, I just, I hope that my, my problem with trailers in general is sometimes they show you a little bit too much. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to know, for instance, they make it look like in the trailer that he loses, was Jane? Oh, yeah. 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 If they make it look like that's the, that's going to be like the mm-hmm. thing, you know, mm-hmm. everybody, everybody has a loss. Right. And I'm like, did you really just tell me that? And then that's going to be a part of the film. Um, but beyond that, I mean, it's just speculation. But uh, Thor was my second favorite of the Avengers films. Wow. And uh, I just, I love Asgard. I love the world. I yeah. love Loki uh, looking a little long haired, like a little bit like the crow without makeup. Yeah, well, you know, interesting. Interesting. The rumor <laughs> that he might play the crow. I, I think that's a fantastic idea. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I, it's like I say with all these comic book movies, I'm. Always excited. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Superman trailer, though, has I mean, that's a fleshed out thing. Oh yeah, now. absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think that once we get another Thor trailer, where it's like the slow build to what's really gonna be going on, and they mm-hmm. announce like, the whole the whole little mechanism from the Bifrost and all yeah. that stuff, that yeah. you're gonna get more of a sense of the epicness of the plot for the second movie, and you'll really get to just imagine how big they've gone since mm-hmm. the first one that I think that is when I'm going to be excited. For yeah. now, I'm just kind of like, all right, cool, another Thor movie, but give me, I want, I want more of it. Right, yeah. Joey, what about you? Um, I, I really liked it, but I think I, I echo some of Steve's concern. It is just kind of a teaser, so we don't really see where we're going. Um, something I really did like from it, though, were two little moments with Sif, Jamie Alexander's character, who mm-hmm. I thought was such an interesting little morsel of a character in the first one, but her relationship with Thor, and particularly with his Earth love, Jane Foster mm-hmm. there, I think should <laughs> produce some interesting drama, and I hope that that is a focus in this film. Yeah, absolutely. Such a good, such a good character. Yeah, and you, you, I like the sense too of you see Natalie Portman in this world, and you definitely get the sense that she's a human in a world full of gods. You know, right. and you get the sense that she is not. You, you get the, you get a sense of weakness from her mm-hmm. just from being what she's who she's surrounded by. Um, I do agree with a lot of whatever it's saying. You know, it's it's obviously these were the effects that were done in time to yeah. make the trailer, so we need to put yeah. these in here, and so you don't get a full sense. You really only see the. Um, the the dark elf played by Chris Eccleston for like two seconds, you know. Um, and he I, he's gonna be the main antagonist in the film, so there's obviously a lot still there. Uh, but I, I'm interested to see because there's there's a lot of oh this is stuff happening on Earth, this is stuff happening in Asgard. I don't know how it connects yet, you know. I don't know what what happens when, how how it all lines up, why uh, things are floating. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, but the thing about the Thor movies that always excites me is that there is such a can be such a link between the world of Thor and this other vast Marvel universe even more than any other movies because all the cosmic stuff's in play all the magic stuff's in play so I, I get really excited about those elements um, so it's it's not like didn't blow me away like a Man of Steel uh, trailer did but it's again it's just our first look see did any of you think like in the first 15 or the 10 seconds of Magneto when the, the <laughs> oh, yeah. truck was... Yeah. I was like, is he in this movie? Yeah. <laughs> Who's a bad guy in this? What's going That's on? That's funny. Yeah, 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 yeah. The, the floating truck. Yeah, I totally was like, wait, what trailer am I watching again? Yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, it's, it, it's you know, again, but this is different because I, I feel like Man of Steel had to prove something to me, whereas right. Thor, I don't feel like that. Thor, I'm just like, okay, I'm ready. Just give me the Thor movie. You know, I don't even, <laughs> yeah. I don't even need to see anything about it. Just let me, let me get in there and uh, I'm in, you know? So... There's some interesting reports that are saying, okay, this is the first proof of what what holding power the Avengers has on the audience. Iron yeah. Man, we kind of know. Yeah. Right. 
But this was a look. This was, Thor was a big hit. Yeah, not yeah. monster, not billion dollar yeah. hit, but okay. Wh- what will this do now? It did what one eighty? Did like one eighty here, but it was actually the biggest of all of the movies that yeah. n- not the Avengers worldwide. Yeah, it ended up nearly wow. half a billion. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's the most you know international friendly. Those kind of big kind of Norse or you know Greek or any of those mm-hmm. kind of. You know, period epics those, are always do very, very those well. Those Danes go to the movies a lot. Yeah. They have nothing else to do. So. It's being released in November, which I think is also interesting for these yeah. kind of superhero Marvel films. Yeah, yeah. They're they're trying something different now because they're doing this in November, Caps in April, and, right. and then Guardians of the Galaxy is in August. So they're obviously... I, I like it because I feel like it's A, they're being like, okay, this is how long it takes to make the movie and we're not going to rush it out. They done it out by May 5th, you know, every year. And also, they know. Look, Guardians of the Galaxy is gonna have a little bit. Of, it's gonna have more trouble than any of their movies gaining traction. So if you put you put it out in August after all these big movies have come out, after it's kind of time to get you know pumped up by whatever's gonna happen in Cap, whatever's gonna be all these movies, that it can do you know well. And I think putting Cap out in April is genius because who cares that the summer keeps expanding anyway? So <laughs> you know, um, it's very true. But it, it should be interesting. They're they're coming slated movies. Um, quickly, two little tidbits. Uh, we all kind of knew this was happening, but for the first time, uh, Kevin Feige confirmed that Daredevil is back in in Marvel's cinematic house Woo! now. Yeah. yeah, so you know, no no word on what's going on. I'm sure there's something. To, I'm sure there's already something in development, but he just kind of said yes to a question about is Daredevil back. Uh, so interesting to see though. Apparently, Marvel gave Fox two other extensions uh, with Daredevil before they let the rights lapse back to them, but. It's back, so I can't imagine a Daredevil movie is far away from being announced or him him being introduced into into the into the Take universe. It that, uh, ben Phase will be three. What were you saying, Joey? Sorry. Phase three, Phase. if at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think Ben Affleck will be back. Uh, no. Though, right oh, na- bummer. But now I'm sure they they fucking love it. <laughs> he should Affleck, direct it. Yeah, Ben Affleck directed oh, yeah. a Daredevil movie. Awesome. Um, and the other thing too is apparently. Um, uh, speculators have jumped on the idea that the Ant-Man that's going to be in the Edgar Wright movie is going to be the uh, Robert Kirkman irredeemable Ant-Man, um, who was in a very short run that Kirkman did, uh, I think like 10 years ago or, or, or something like that. Um, there's there's no really evidence of this, but they started gobbling up back issues. So issues that were, the first issue of it was like $2 on eBay. Now it's up to hmm. something ridiculous now. Um <laughs> It's interesting in two ways. Interesting because of this this whole speculator thing, and also because it doesn't seem in line with what Marvel has been doing to use the least known of all of this little yeah. known characters' identities as its identity. Um, I mean, Bob, what would you think about that? I, I don't think they'll go the way Kirkman obviously has a lot of profile, right? Yeah, you know, but uh, no. Yeah. I don't I, so. I, you'd have to go, uh, to me they've always gone to the original source and they've, they've changed the origins up slightly but yeah. not so much you, you, you know, we haven't seen Don Blake yet but we did see him mention for yeah, instance yeah exactly but uh, no I, I think you will see Scott Lang as part of this yeah I think so yeah. too but uh, you'll see you'll see Hank and Jan too I'm yeah convinced of that there's just no wasn't he at some other thief I'm trying to remember the irredeemable Ant-Man um, yeah he was a, once. He, yeah, I mean, he was like kind of like uh, foul mouthed and, and not very nice, you know. Um, Rob, you know, a friend of the show, who's been mm-hmm. on the, it, it speaks very highly of that run of the book. But like you said, I, I, I don't think you. That's not what Marvel's been doing. 
You know, they haven't been using lesser known versions of their characters. Yeah. It's not like they use, you know, like the third Captain America to, to be yeah. the Captain or, America. Or the Eric Masterson Thor. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Right. You, you use the characters that some people at least know. You use Scott Lang, you use Hank Pym. I mean, Joss Whedon has said that before they knew Scarlett Johansson was going to be in the Avengers movie that he was writing the wasp in, into the, into his first draft. Nice. So I don't think you leave that stuff behind, especially with him overseeing the universe. Um, the only thing that, that might make this Ant-Man character in it is that he was in Thunderbolts and the secret Avengers run, uh, where cap was kind of the head of the secret Avengers. So he gotcha. might be, that's kind of the only thing that I think would make people believe he could mm. possibly be mm. in these films yeah I mean what have you heard too is that Edgar Wright has been toying with doing multiple Ant-Men in, in right. his movie that it's, it's starting with Pym and then going to Lang so if, he, if they're throwing that character in there too that might absolutely happen we have no idea what that movie's going to be yet obviously um it, on that, what you're saying, Joey, about the Secret Avengers thing, we, we've seen shots of Cap's costume for right. Winter Soldier, yeah. and he's basically wearing his Heroic Age uh, Secret Avengers costume. Uh, the, right. the big star in the middle of the chest mm-hmm. with kind of like the, looks like a shield costume with a little bit of Captain America flair to it. Um, which makes sense for the movie they're making, everything we've heard about yep. it being very Secret Agent-y and, and very kind of thriller kind of thing I mean Bob you're very big on the costume yeah I, look, I, I'm thrilled seeing Chris Evans wear you know the, the Simon and Kirby outfit <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. and I still think it works on screen yeah. I, I am I, I don't like pouches and utility belts on characters that have no need for them right I I think there's a certain embarrassment Mm-hmm. For directors, there's also the merchandising standpoint. We'll change his outfit all the I time. I think that's I think that's much more of it than the than the uh, embarrassment part. Um, <laughs> I think it's funny how now the books look like the movies, and then the movies start looking more like the books. It's a snake yeah. eating its own tail. Yeah, I, yeah. I, he's got the shield. He is obviously Captain America. Oh yeah, absolutely. So, Fine, and it's not like not, and it's not <laughs> like know. this costume has not existed in comic books before. You know? Right, um, and I, I like the idea of th- them accessing these different. Things. I mean, for God's sakes, Tony Stark has had a different three different suits in every movie that he's been right. in. You know what I mean? And, and Thor's, well, he always did though. Yeah, I know, but yeah. Thor's look different, and, and so I, I, I think that I think obviously it's merchandising, but I like the idea maybe of it being like they kind of do their own thing in their own thing, and then when they come to the Avengers, they're in those like classic costumes mm-hmm. again. So. Mm-hmm. Um, Steve, you have any? You want to ring in any of any of this news on irredeemable Ant Man or on Captain America's costume? <laughs> no, mm. I don't actually. Mm. All right, <laughs> all right. Um, two, quickly, two things. New Fifty Two wise, um, Azrael, who is famous for obviously taking over uh, for Batman. Wait, 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 when was that? Uh, that was the nineties, right? Early nineties. Yeah. Early nineties. Yeah, uh, is back in the New Fifty Two in Batman Inc. Uh, this week. Uh, he. It's one of those things where we're not sure what it's going to be yet. Uh, I, I don't think they're going to make a big deal of it, much like you know, Grant Morrison hasn't really much cared that they rebooted the universe in, in his Batman Inc. run, and I think this is just, Asriel was in Batman Inc. before, so now he's just in it now. They're, they're just reuniting. Uh, that's my opinion about it. I mean, uh, Bob, what do you think of that character? I don't really care. Didn't, okay. didn't care then particularly. It was sort of, oh, they broke Batman's back, and right, yeah, 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 great, great, great. Oh, yeah. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, never cared one way or the other. Seemed like a fill-in. He's been around since. Yeah, absolutely. But never yeah. paid any attention, really. You a fan of uh, Azrael, Joey? 
Uh, not really. I mean, I, I'm familiar with the Nightfall arc or whatever it was called when Bane broke his back, but I didn't really read any of those books after that big climactic moment. So mm-hmm. these pictures uh, on the Bleeding Cool article are interesting. The artwork's nice. Yeah. That's pretty much all I feel about it. Yeah, it's Chris <laughs> Burnham artwork, which is, you know, this oh. is curiously great. Uh, Steve, you haven't, haven't read No Man's, I'm Le- uh, no, um, sorry, Nightfall, right? So no, so I don't, and neither have I. So. And I have, I have, <laughs> I have, I have the as. Oh my god, I can't talk. I have the Asriel run. I have Nightfall. I have Night's Quest. Uh, the only thing I'm missing is a couple issues from Night's End. I don't want to okay. read it until I have all of it. It's oh, so we long. spoiled it. Worse I know. <laughs> oh no, it's okay. <laughs> Sorry. I think he knows the ending. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah in, in the books, he doesn't get hoisted up on some rope and gets a chiropractic fix. Nice. Right. Like in, in the, the middle movie. of nowhere. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, he's like, he didn't even break his back. He just kind of like hurt his back a yeah. little bit. Ow. Ooh, he's got to do some American gladiators to get out of the uh, tunnel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, as, as in baseball, his back stiffened up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 A couple of days chase up. him up. <laughs> Just should, you could have put that magic brace he put on his knee on his back and he would have been there fine. There you go. Yeah, kick yeah. walls open. <laughs> um, and also, uh, Delula Dent, who, or Dula Dent, uh, is, uh, is coming back in New 52, Joker's daughter. Uh, not sure what book, it didn't really say, but she's redesigned. She looks like the, she has like the Joker's face she on her like face. She looks like she shops at Hot Topic. Yeah, she does look like she's yeah. at Hot Topic and she has a pie full of glass in her hand in the image that we've seen. Um, I don't have a really big opinion on this really at all, but uh, um, we actually had an email from uh, Super Bad Larry, uh, Kyle a, Garrett. Well, after you read that, I have a question. Well, a- ask your question. Okay. Her name is Duel Dent or yeah. Duel Dent. Okay. Yeah. You have Harvey Dent. She's the daughter of Harvey Dent. She yeah. is the, okay, yeah. but, how, but she's Joker's daughter. She's but, the daughter of Harvey Dent and the Joker. <laughs> Excuse me? Wow. <laughs> now we're getting. It's an really alternate reality. No. <laughs> Was this Earth 3? <laughs> She she took um, you know uh, the, the Joker's identity. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She oh, wants so to be Har- the Joker. Oh, okay. So yeah. it's Harvey Dent's daughter who's obsessed with the Joker. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Nice. Uh, and Kyle Garrett, uh, Super Red Larry, wrote in about uh, this redesign. He says, "I don't know, man. It seems like she would be scarier if she dressed like a normal person and then was capable of the same criminal perversion as her father, or worse." That redesign is super scary, over the top, is a weird mix of incongruent elements, and kind of doesn't make any sense. It seems to be shock for the sake of shock, which the Joker was never about, in my opinion, especially considering how he went out, out at the end of the death of the family. My two cents, Kyle, a.k.a. Super Bad Larry. I got to say, I'm not a fan of the hairdo. I'm not, I'm not really yeah. digging the, the flamey I can hair, the red uh, puff, yeah. poof, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I mean, I've, I, the only other time that I've seen her character is the Ami Kami girls, and mm-hmm. I, I don't know that that's anything to jump off of my I don't mind that design at least it's a little bit truer to her namesake mm-hmm. but um I don't know I don't I'm not I'm not digging like the the chains and the schoolgirl plaid uh skirt yeah. the thing. exposed midriff yeah. yeah I don't know I I I'm not saying anything about the character cuz I haven't seen her in anything or mm-hmm. read her or anything at all but um it's just a very it doesn't seem very villainy to me it just seems like a troubled kid yeah, <laughs> uh, isn't it? It's an awful lot like the new Fifty Two Harley. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's that sort True. of. Oh, yeah. I will reserve judgment though until I see her in a book. Mm. I'm definitely, definitely interested to check out her character for sure. Right. 
Yeah, you know, it's just, it, it seems very shortcutty. It seems very first idea. It's like, this is what a bad chick would look like. Does, it, do it, they say where what she's coming into? Is she getting her own? She's it, not getting her own book. No, I think it's Teen Titans. That's what that character, it looks like a, it looks like the art from that. But really? Yeah, so I'm not sure, Ooh. but that's the idea I get from it. I could be totally wrong, but that's just the idea I get from, I see from that, 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 that look. Um, and, uh, finally, just in, in good news, uh, uh, Mark Wade is writing another book. It's uh, always good. Uh, it's the uh, a character called the Fox, who is a superhero from the Archie universe. How uh, far back? We're talking the old Mighty Crusaders. Yeah. Or, okay. Yeah. Uh, it's Pulp Hero. Mark Wade's writing. Uh, that sounds like good news to me. I will, for the first time in my life, first <laughs> time in my Archie? adult life, I will buy an Archie comic. Bobby <laughs> throws money at Rob's face. Yeah. <laughs> Give it to me. Give me all the Mark Wade you got. <laughs> what if he starts writing I've heard real those words Archie? Before. If he started writing real Archie, I would buy real Archie. <laughs> <laughs> it's absolutely true. I'd go to the sock hop for Mark Wade. Exactly. Exactly. Because um, right now, he can, in my mind, he can do no wrong. I'm sure he can do wrong, but right now he's on a run <laughs> that is just great. Come um, on to the show, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I think it just turned into the Chris Farley show at that point. Like, remember that time you wrote that Daredevil? That was awesome. (laughs) (laughs) That's my hard-hitting question to you, Mark Wade. Um, So uh, that's it for news uh, for this week. Let's move on to our book of the week. Um, I forgot. (laughs) I forgot. Uh, Bob, why don't you start us out? Oh, speaking of Captain America... Uh, here we go. Here we go. Here Uh-oh. we go with fun. Strap in, kids. Bob's giving you a stamp of poop, I believe. Yes, this is... Uh, look, Do you want me to I, hold that? Give it to me. You it can hold me. that. Yeah, no, no, we'll just put this... I, right. I walk around with clipboards and paper. And, <laughs> anyway. Um, look, I've been threatening to stop buying Captain America now for about three months. And it's happened. After 50 years, I'm done. Wow. Uh, there, are, I, I can't say too much. I didn't even in my review of this book. There are some spoilery things here. Uh, lots of Dimension Z and mutates and it's raining and dark and hideous and awful. And I get it. He's trying to show Cap rising above. He doesn't need that contrast to show that if, if the character is written the way he should be. He does some very out-of-character things here. And we don't see any more of his upbringing. That, that what we were getting that was keeping it palatable for me has gone. Anybody else around here? Sampling Captain America? I dropped off after the first issue, actually. Me too. Um, you know, I dropped off as well. And it, w- it was one of these things where I enjoyed it, but I didn't enjoy it enough to keep buying it, it c- with all the other 20 books sure. a week that mm-hmm. I buy. So I, um, I kind of the deal, like, you know, I'll wait till the arc is out. Maybe I'll read it in trade. But I, you know, I just... I, I just didn't like it enough to keep going with it. Yeah. I'm a big fan of Rick Remender, so that's the only reason why I still have that kind of desire to read it, but... I wanted to. I sort of liked the first issue. I mm. loved the split. I thought it would make it enough for me to get over the parts I didn't, but right. no. That's okay. a shame. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's uh, 50 years. Like, that's, it's, yeah. that's got to be a little heartbreaking. To Since Cap came back in Avengers so. 4, that was the first Captain America book I bought. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got all the tales of suspenses, mm-hmm. all the solo issues, except for the Liefeld pointy chin. <laughs> Cap. I, I only bought one of those. and mm-hmm. <laughs> Anyway. Uh, to other uh, commissioned officers, Captain Marvel number 12, uh, just really amazing here. You're getting to see all the bits of Carol's personality that have been put into play over these months. This is, to me, almost 
the other 11 are the lead up to here and now the event that's coming we get a nice mm-hmm. little tie into old captain marvel marvel mm-hmm. ms mm-hmm. marvel in this issue uh a lot of threads tied together yeah i really like the issue uh, i will say the reveal at the end didn't mean anything to me Oh, it, yeah. it hit me hard. Well, yep. I mean, Joey, were you the same as me with that? I mean, I loved Captain Marvel, um, that issue, but I, I, I think that um, she's really digging into the into the history there. I looked it up, and once I saw who it was, I was like, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but I had to kind of do that kind of research. But uh, I still love the issue, regardless of, of the reveal at the end. Well, yeah. she had that character back in one of the time travel issues. Okay. Okay. Okay, I must have missed that character, you know, because yeah. it happened, and I was like, and it was one of those things. I was like, obviously, this is somebody big because right. I'm supposed to know who this yeah. is, but I don't. So right. I was like, okay, this means something cool is coming. I just don't know what it is. Yeah. <laughs> no, she, she. I think it's mentioned in one caption or one word balloon mm-hmm. in that issue. Okay, where they're in the cave. Yeah, but I, but I really like the this idea that she's setting up of kind of the unreliable narrator almost, you know, this, this, you know, who is the enemy? I know that the enemy yep. within is the name of the storyline coming up, but I, I like the way she set that up and the, how she paralleled, uh, the, the doctor talking to what was going on with Carol. Mm-hmm. And then you begin to doubt what Carol's doing all of a sudden. You're like, wait a second, is Carol even fighting anybody? That's the, that's the, that's what I started yeah. thinking in my head. Oh yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. I was like, Oh my God, this is gonna be crazy. She's gonna have like destroyed half the city and it's gonna just be her doing <laughs> yeah. it, you know? Uh, so that was really cool, and it felt very cinematic. And, and, and you know, uh, for me, like this book has always been good, and I never considered dropping it ever. There has been dips for me sometimes in my engagement in it, but this storyline, which started out with me being a little unengaged, like I, it wasn't a book that I was putting at the top of my pile every every time I bought it. So now, after this issue, I am I am very excited uh, for this tie-in uh, arc coming up. Now, this tie-in arc, is it going to be like Captain Marvel and Avengers Symbol? Yeah, or is, uh, is back and forth. Okay, back and forth. So it's not its own mini. It's not like Avengers, the enemy within. It's going to no. be... Okay, okay. That's I why think there one is one, one lead-in issue that you have to pick up Okay. Yeah, that's, outside of the main. Yeah, that's oh. two weeks from now, I think. Okay, cool. Yeah. That, that, that's what I was confused about. Because um, I thought it was going to be almost like Children's Crusade, where it was like its own separate spin-off mm. thing. No, okay, no, cool. No. Cool. What did you think of it, Steve? Oh, it was fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. It's, it's No, I mean... How dare you ask me that well, question? Yeah. <laughs> no, um, no, I just every when you go last, everybody already says everything. <laughs> no, it's it's one it's wonderful. It's a wonderful book. It's a great story. Um, is this Felipe Andre's last? Mm-hmm. Yes. Damn uh, it. Uh, Scott Hepburn's doing the minis. Okay. Yeah. I don't know who that is. <laughs> but he, they, they, there's a sample page near the end. Looks very nice. All right. Cool. Well, uh, I for one have loved uh, Felipe Andre's uh, artwork. Mm on the book and I will miss him very much. I have, yeah. I've very much, like I said, I've grown into liking it and this is what it's mm-hmm. switching again. So that's the yeah. thing about this book. It's just like, it's like, um, flipping on me. But he'll be back after. Well, that's good. The event. That's good. Okay. Um, I would also like it if the guy did the cover was the interior artist. The covers are no. great. Joe Quinones. No, he's doing FF that, that comes out tomorrow. Wow. Oh, really? Yes. Interesting. I was, uh, I'm right there with you with the, wait, not- FF or fantastic four. FF. He's oh, so all red's not doing this issue. He's doing the cover. Oh. Yes. Uh, that, that makes me less excited for that. Uh, <laughs> As I was saying. Yeah, sorry. It's so important that I get this out. No, um, the reveal, I didn't get I Not not that I didn't get it. I understood what it meant, but I had mm. no idea who it was. 
Yeah, exactly. I was like, ah, yeah. another something I'm going to have to go and research because yeah, exactly. I haven't been doing this very long. Exactly. Awesome. Yeah, exactly. Go back and buy, you know, Marvel Super Heroes 17 or whatever from 1968. <laughs> I just, you know what it was? Yeah, I was great. just, I'm like, I know I'm supposed to be like, Wah! but I'm kind of like, hey. Yeah. <laughs> You'll yeah. get to it. Anyway, quickly, Dark Avengers, great, but one more to go. X Factor, this is how you do an event. Yeah. Uh, is that going to keep going? Oh, yeah. We've got two or three more on that. On Hell on Earth? Hell on Earth. Cool. Oh, okay. But it's continuing after that. Yes. Ah, good. Joey, you've been enjoying X Factor as well? I've been enjoying X Factor since forever. It's <laughs> just right. so it's so wonderful. That's that's on my ongoing series list. Uh, Spoilers. for later, I guess. Spoiler, yeah. Joey, jeez. <laughs> sorry, sorry, I'm sorry. First <laughs> time. First Radio, time. you can't give away you can't give it away. Yeah, yeah. All right. No. You, you gotta you gotta hold it back. And it was good in this issue in this sort of recap page where they said, Well, Peter didn't do the recap because he was busy plotting X Factor's future. Nice. So we're still moving on on that. I've got three of those to read now. I've just like I just I keep buying mm-hmm. it and keep sticking it in like in, in a in a pile of X Factor. I'm gonna go ramping through it once I get a chance. And I also I subscribe to Marvel Unlimited, so I can, so now you got the whole I, I got all of them now. Everything <laughs> now you have no excuse. Exactly. So I'm excited about that. So actual book of the week. I was gonna do two of them, but I'm gonna save one for next week because I've been running. I'm running really long here. You're fine. So. Um, since we were talking we, we about... We owe the listeners a long show. We only did an hour okay. last week. Okay, well then maybe I will. We'll see how this goes. Um, <laughs> Get comfortable. S- since we were talking about Superman and his birthday all, I pulled this really gigantic tabloid side thing from 1997, 97, 98, Superman and the Fantastic Four. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Dan Jurgens and Art Thebear. I hope I'm pronouncing his uh, name correctly. And the book opens basically with you, Galactus is just sort of hanging around Krypton. And he watches as the spaceship mm. goes sailing past him. Mm. We cut to the DC Earth. This happens after the DC Marvel uh, you know, connection right. where they had the two universes mm-hmm. mushed together and the, those amalgam books and everything else. So the heroes are, are known to each other. Um, Superman's stopping a terrorist bombing in Metropolis, and all of a sudden there's a crystal from outer space with a message from his father that Galactus destroyed Krypton. Hmm. Hmm. Superman remembers having heard from those other heroes in the other universe about this Galactus character, and that now he's on their side of the barrier. Mm -hmm. So he shows up in New York and (laughs) enlists the help of the Fantastic Four to go find Galactus and do something about it. (laughs) That's pretty cool. Um... Everyone gets a chance to do something pretty special. We get a, There's one twist that I will give away, because it is 15 years ago. That's fine. <laughs> uh, where Galactus, who is without a herald, decides he needs one again and takes Superman as his herald. Ah. Pretty cool. So then he's on the other side, and mm-hmm. big fights, and mm-hmm. make deals with villains, and all sorts of things. It is great. Some lovely artwork in here. It's just really, really well done. And in this giant tabloid size... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is just awesome. some really cool stuff, and there's no Valeri at this point. There is still Franklin. He has a very big part to play because he's a big fan of Superman. <laughs> of course he is, as you would be. Yeah, um, I'll I'll leave my next one for next time. Okay. Uh, speaking of crossing universe, I want to say real quick. It, it, this is kind of on the top of the comic books, but if if anybody out there has not yet seen the Patton Oswalt clip from Parks and Recreation, it's this <laughs> deleted scene where. He's the citizen filibusting this bill that he doesn't want to pass. And he, he t- hides to do the plot, uh, give J.J. Abrams a plot for Star Wars Episode Seven, but it crosses over with the Avengers universe. Oh. It's like seven minutes long, and it's totally improv by him. He's just doing it. 
And there's like a very little bit of it in the actual show, but it's online, the deleted scene. If I remember, I'll put it in the show notes. It should be, it'll be on the website. Great. It's freaking hilarious uh, and just great. But uh, anyway, uh, Joey, give us your yes. book of the week. Uh Last week, I really enjoyed a couple of books. One of them was Daredevil End of Days. I don't know if any of you are reading that many from Brian Bendis and uh, David Mack. I'm behind it's, on it, but I'm, uh, I'm, I'm collecting it. Yeah, it, they're on issue seven now, so there's one more issue after this one. It's just there's a reveal at the end, and the way the action is just, is just illustrated by um, Klaus Janssen. It's just one of the most gorgeous and most interesting books uh, on the stand that, that I've been um, reading and as as someone who read all of Bendis and then into into Brubaker's run on on Daredevil from earlier in the 2000s, uh, it's just like the perfect ending really to to that version of the character. Um, people that are reading Mark Wade stuff might I don't know I mean I, if it's kind of similar or if it's probably a departure from that style of Daredevil story, but but this in particular I'm I'm really really digging. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other book that, that I really enjoyed was this, uh, the little depressed boy, number 16. I, I put that review up <laughs> on the site. Yeah. It's just this, this, uh, the sack, the sock boy, right. And, and his, his misadventures in life. And it's oh. just, you would think it's so sad, but there's just this little morsel of optimism in it. The art's great. Um, the writing's so simple. Uh, it's by, uh, the art is by Sina Grace, and it's written by Sean Steven Struble. Um, this issue, number 16, that came out last week, um, is the last that will be published for a while. They're behind on the schedule, and they just said, we're going to hold off for a while until we catch back up. So I think now, because it's so good, it's a great time to catch up. Cool. And now, is it like is is it like an ongoing story, or, or are they almost, are they like standalone? It one-off? is. It's kind of... It is an ongoing story in that it's our little depressed boy, LDB, who is this kind of sock puppet boy mm-hmm. uh, going through real life. Right. Falling into love, falling out of love, working at a movie theater, that sort of thing. And it, it's such a nice little kind of slice of life with this little bit of surrealism in the main character. It's just really, really interesting. A really interesting comic book as well mm-hmm. um, that kind of departs from that super heroic fare. Right. Hmm. Awesome. It sounds... Quite uplifting. I would have thought that it would be depressing. Well, you yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, like a little depressed boy. No, so I've one always, of us had to. That's so, one yeah. of those books that every time that I've seen it, every time it comes into the shop, I look at it and I go, hmm. Mm-hmm. But I've never heard anybody talk about it before. Yeah. That's exactly how I was. And then I saw it one week. It was on the, the review list. And I was like, you know what? This is the day. Today is the day. Today is the day I get depressed. That I read Little Depressed Boy. <laughs> and uh, my... The sun came out on that day. I guess it was just—it was just a very nice read. Uh, and so, did you go back and, and uh, get the older issues? And I have—I haven't caught up entirely, but it's—it's mm-hmm. it's just more of, of just that same sort of um, slice of life is kind of derivative, but that sort of slice of life type of story. Yeah, that I, it's really nice. Cool, awesome, awesome. Hmm. Um, Steve, what do you got for us? Yo, um, well. I took one of my uh, every six months car trips to Maine. I had about ten and a half hours to read. (laughs) So what do you do when you can read in the car and not get sick and have all that time? You go on a Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale uh, bender. Wow. And you read a whole mess of stuff. So let's see. Really quick. I read Superman for all seasons for the first time ever. Spectacular. Yeah. It was amazing. Um, 
extremely, extremely heartfelt. Uh, artwork is just beautiful. Mm-hmm. The double page spreads, tornadoes, mm-hmm. and him fly. I love the like the rainbow streaks that he makes when he flies around yeah. in that book. Um, got to learn a little bit more about Lana Lang. I'm not really like a hundred percent on her character. I'm kind of just easing myself into Superman because of all mm-hmm. the Superman hoopla going yeah. on. And um, I'm finding that I'm really liking the character, but I'm afraid because I feel like I'm reading all the good stuff. Yeah. Well, that's what you should do. No, I know, oh, yeah. but you know, not that there isn't plenty of it. Yeah, there's a lot but, of good. Um, yeah, I don't. I anyway, you you talked about it a little bit earlier. Yeah, yeah. About the concept of him, just like I love these stories about like who he is and his core values mm-hmm. and you know, this person that's on this, on this earth or obviously not of this earth, you have all this power, but you choose to save people and to use it for good. Mm-hmm. And you could very well just turn around and do horrible things. Yeah. You, he could have destroyed the planet, yeah. you know, like whole mm-hmm. continents and just yeah. wipe them out. But he doesn't, he helps everyone. He has a, a real sense of purpose to do good in the world. Yeah. And it's, it's really cool. There's this one page, um, where something really bad is happening and there are these people and, and they're, and they're kind of in despair. And one of them says, there's no hope. And the other guy says, I don't know. I see hope. And he, and he, and he's looking up and it's Superman flying mm-hmm. above him. Yeah. And to yeah. me, that's just Superman. That's what it should mm-hmm. be. You know? And I think that he, he, he gets at the heart. Jeff Lopez is way of getting at the heart of things. Yeah. In, in a very innate way. You know, I mean, I don't love all his work. I don't. I don't necessarily love all his ongoing work. But when he does these miniseries things, I think he just nails them. You know. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, so I read that, and it was it was great. Uh, I also read Batman: Dark Victory, which mm-hmm. is the direct sequel to the Long Halloween. Which you, have you read Long Halloween? Yeah. Oh, okay. I read it last year, so I was a little fuzzy on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, as I got into, I mean, it's thirteen books. I think there's a zero issue that I don't own, but I have one through thirteen. It was great. It was, uh, I did not, usually I could call an ending pretty mm-hmm. early in and I had my suspicions, but I was still, it's to me, if you guess the ending, it's all about the execution mm-hmm. instead of, you know, oh, I'm not surprised anymore. But now that you know, or think, you know, how do they, how do they show you how, like, what's the big reveal? What's the curtain being thrown off? Uh, great delivery. Very cool story. Uh, I'm curious to find out what uh, haunted night is isn't that part of it too? It's Haunted Night is a collection. They they did I think for two or three years they did these Halloween specials, which were like oversized, um, uh, like I think thirty two page one single issue right. things, and they collected those into three things, and that's what they call Haunted Night. Hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, and let's see. Last but not least, I think last but not least, uh, Catwoman when in Rome is another, another Jeff Loeb Tim another sale. Jeff Loeb Tim sale. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is what Catwoman is supposed to be. That that's the to me. Are you are you do you yeah. agree, Bob? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, she's. I mean, she's in various states of undress, but it's all done very tastefully throughout the series. Uh, I believe it's it's six issues. It's like these hard soft cover books. The again, if you're familiar with Tim Sale's work, I just I love his art. I love mm-hmm. the colors, the colors that he gets. Just really shadowy, very sleek, and just very cool. And he seems to nail personalities mm-hmm. and bring out the best in the characters that he concentrates on. Like, I haven't, I don't know if I've read any of his ongoing stuff, but like you said, when he has one of these confined little mm-hmm. runs, 
he's managed to nail whatever I've read. Yeah. And between Selena and Catwoman and even the the other people that are a part of this story, and it, it's essentially it's her going off to Italy and trying to basically find out who she is. Um, and it's just, it's really cool. Batman's barely in it. Mm-hmm. So you get you several other things happen. I don't want to give away too much in case people want to seek it out. But if you're in the mood for something Catwoman and you want to read something that's true to the character and a lot of fun and gives you uh, perhaps a little bit more of a look into her life, uh, you're going to want to check out When in Rome uh, from Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale. I saw a commercial. It's <laughs> uh, the home shopping network for I mean, it's, it's funny because Daniel Gall, uh, one of our longtime listeners, he wrote in because we talk about Spider-Man Blue a lot. And he wrote on Facebook and asked, and he said, maybe we should do a show dedicated to th- these yeah. guys because yeah. they have a lot of seminal stuff that they do. Um, and we'll definitely think about that. Obviously, we're talking about him right now, but I just wanted to acknowledge that he did, yep. in fact, suggest this. Um, uh, yeah. And also, like all their Marvel stuff, like the Daredevil, Yellow and the Hulk mm-hmm. Gray are also on Marvel Limited. So I'm gonna, definitely going to check those out as well. Um yeah, if you guys haven't read The Long Halloween, Long Halloween is fantastic. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, the only thing I really haven't... Actually, I have Dark Victory. I have never read Dark Victory. And I haven't read Hushed either, which is the thing he did with Jim Lee, the Batman run yeah. he did with Jim Lee. Um, one more thing that I'm actually currently reading uh, after we had him on a couple weeks back, Greg Rucka's Wonder Woman. Oh, yeah. Um, Good job. Aside, yeah, aside <laughs> from the New 52 stuff, which we know how Bob feels... I uh, it's terrible. That's how I feel. All right, this is my first foray into Wonder Woman. Like actively, I Mm -hmm. got all of her. I got all of Greg Rucka's, and I got all of Gail Simone. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually I got that whole entire one through forty five. So I got past Gail Simone. Mm -hmm. Uh, But Rucka's Wonder Woman, holy shit! It's awesome. (laughs) It's awesome. Mm -hmm. It is so awesome. It's very political, but I like, like. I don't like political stuff within our political structure but when it comes to um like her i can't even how do you she's the she's themiskyra she's the ambassador that's it yeah okay yeah i I have so many different names for it i call it something different in my head every (laughs) time i'm reading it um but it's it's super super good i uh i sat in the car a big pair of headphones on my head and just threw on some some like crazy music atmospheric stuff and read it i made it through about 20 something issues of it so far and it's just spectacular it's filled with personality and action sequences and great characters and i i'm really really enjoying it i'm hoping to uh finish it out by the end of the week awesome yes it is awesome, awesome. you'll find it difficult to go back well, like I said, I have uh, that whole other one, including the Gail Simone well, you'll stuff. You'll love hers, so I'm, too. I'm hoping they're... that that, uh, you know. Mm-hmm. And plus, I read, uh, was it the Hecate? Or did yeah. He? Yeah. yeah that, I mean, yeah. that was great. And yeah. uh, he did three issues of Wonder Woman for the Blackest Night yeah. uh, event. Yeah. So I have those, too. I'm going to read those as well. Cool. Awesome. Um, so I, I will go now uh, really quickly. Uh, <laughs> I thought we, I just least bring it up because it's. It's it's not definitely not uh, one of my favorite books of the week, miniature. but yeah, but uh, Ted McKeever's <laughs> Miniature Jesus uh, picked it up and read it. Uh, first of all, I, I it's black and white. Um, it's a gorgeous book. I mean, it, it's really it, quite, some of the images are uh, pretty stunning. Uh, <laughs> and so the the story, and I, I feel like I need to talk about this because the the beginning of the book is completely confusing. Like, it does not give you a, a sense at all of what's going on. Um, it's about a guy. He's an alcoholic. He's had like, this... He's in some sort of crazy bender. 
Um, and he, uh, it's basically, he kind of gets visited by this demon thing. Uh, but, but he doesn't have like the, his angel on the shoulder and that's where the miniature Jesus comes in. It doesn't come in until the very end of the, of the issue. Uh, <laughs> at least it comes in though. It does. Oh, yeah. I'd be very cheated if I didn't see a, a <laughs> Yeah, Jesus. well, you can see, there's a, definitely a miniature Jesus at the, at the end of the issue. Um, as you can see in this no, image. he's very miniature. He's very, he's very wee. <laughs> Don't um, do it, buddy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's kind of what I got um, from it. Now, you know, uh, last year we talked a lot about Punk Rock Jesus and, and, and how it gave this interesting line between being respectful to ideology and also, you know, being disrespectful, a healthy disrespect. Uh, this book, a little bit to me, just feels like it's trying to dust up stuff. It's trying to, you know, stir some shit. And That's how I felt about Bram and Ben's uh, End yeah. of the World. Okay, cool. Yeah, interesting. No, that did it have did, that that book have like a lot of religious. Oh, go, to it? yeah. Well, oh, I mean, I only read the first issue, but the whole the whole first issue. That's all it was. Was like a middle finger to whatever you can think of as far as religion. Right. Um, I know a couple of people that really enjoyed it, but I was. Uh, I mean, usually I don't. I don't give a crap. I can. <laughs> I can. You know, dish it, take it, whatever. Mm. But um, it just seemed disrespectful in in a sense of that i wasn't entertained by it um but i was i i had miniature jesus in my hand and i did not buy it but i was really curious to see that you were going to talk about it tonight so um do you think i would like it i think it's like i, I look by the end of it um it it redeems itself a little bit by the end of it once the story starts to develop itself i was interested i was like oh well maybe you know maybe this could be something cool uh but it feels intentionally like over the top and like I feel like I was reading the cover of like an 80s metal album you know what I mean <laughs> day aside you know it's like it's like a cat with its stomach ripped open and it's like a demon inside of it and it's yeah. like you know him giving the middle finger to you know and it's just it, there was something it seemed it seemed intentionally to be trying to piss people off I don't know if did anybody you you guys obviously didn't read it Joey nope. did you read it no, no, uh, but it doesn't sound like it was it was it humorous, was it satirical? Because at least with Bram and Ben, there were kind of punchlines every once in a while that made it somewhat redeemable, and it did get better as it as the series went on, though still irreverent. But it doesn't seem like this miniature Jesus thing is that sort of humorous satire, at least from the way you're describing it. Yeah, it seems like there is some satire or going on, or some sort of dark. Very, very dark comedy <laughs> happening. But, you know, I don't think that really reveals itself until the end when literally uh, a tiny Jesus that's on a cross, like a, a statue, starts coming off the cross. If he was wearing a pink elephant suit, I would be sold. <laughs> you know, um, it, it, it just doesn't... Here's the thing. I'm intrigued, at least. And I still might buy a second issue to see what happens with the story. But... It, it it was very off-putting, you know. You haven't found Jesus. No, I have not. Not in not in, <laughs> not in a miniature Jesus. I have not. Uh, so you know, if I wasn't doing this show, I would not pick up the second issue. But I'm so intrigued to, to be able to talk about it again that I want to pick it up. It's going to be your book of the year. Thankfully, yeah. we get review copies of, of Image Books, so I can just read it for free. Um, <laughs> Uh, really quick, uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> really quickly, uh, I want to talk about uh, Red Hood and the Outlaws number nineteen because it was a new creative team. If if, you, if this is not a good jumping on point, 
If I had not read like the like a couple issues and like probably six or seven issues of it uh, of the earlier run, I would have no idea what the hell was going on. Um, I also think the art is kind of horrible in it. Um, well, it's very inconsistent. Like sometimes Roy looks like a fat twelve-year-old, and sometimes he looks like a slim superhero. It's just very inconsistent, very weird. I don't. They changed artists late, so I don't know what happened. But the art really put me off. I like James Tinian, but. I don't know. I'm just not feeling it. Did anybody else read it? I read it. Okay. Um, I wasn't. I wasn't blown away by it. I. Uh, it's funny. I kind of. I kind of just focused on the idea of it being new people, not mm. necessarily being a jumping on point. I kind of right. forget that that's part of it. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know what the art kind of threw me. It's. Uh, I don't know. It's gawky. In a way, <laughs> like sometimes they look like they gained like 30, 40 yeah, pounds in exactly. the face. And it's like you have the, the panel and the whole panel is just their, their cheeks yeah. and stuff. <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't think it's a good jumping on point. I'm going to stick with it for a little bit. Uh, it doesn't. It's funny. Tinian was really, I really, really was enjoying his stuff. Like when he first came mm. onto the scene with uh, the, being in Batman and doing the backups and yeah. stuff like that. Um, I've kind of fallen out. I don't. I don't know that the the voice that he has transferred over to other books and other mm-hmm. characters. I'm kind of waiting for him to find his footing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will be checking out a few more issues just because I've kind of liked where Red Hood and the Outlaws has gone. But um, I'm hoping this gets a little bit better. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Joey, Is that did Medusa you read on the cover? You didn't read it, right? <laughs> No, no, I didn't. I didn't pick up Red Hood. Okay, cool. Just want to make sure. Um, oh. let, let's uh, mention uh, WTF. <laughs> we, weekly Age of Ultron update here. Uh, <laughs> personally, my favorite issue uh, so far. Uh, I, I, I I dug uh, the the avenues they're going into. Um, I liked kind of some of the retro stuff they're dealing with, uh, especially a certain look of a certain character. It reminded me of being a kid and looking at comic book cards. So I was excited about that. So I think there's some really great character stuff happening. Uh, again, it's tough to talk about because it's, it's, we're right in the middle of, of the giant story, and I don't want to spoil it for anyone. Uh, Joey, do you get Age of Ultron? I don't get Age of Ultron, but I randomly got Wolverine and the X-Men Age of Ultron, I guess the yeah, I was actually, issue, I just I was just going to talk about that. Which kind of pissed me off that I had this random Age of Ultron issue on my poll uh stack from last week but i read it and and uh just from it i guess what's going on with the wolverine character mm. in the in the main story i i guess is really interesting and the, and the way it played out in the issue is was interesting as well okay cool, cool. um and see what about you uh, i'm trying to find the there's a page i can't is it this book or is the uh, i'm getting this this event is uh just getting more and more confusing for me. Something happened. Something major, major happened. Well, it's That's definitely the age, one. age of Ultron. Then. It was that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, I was. It was the first issue of the book that made me kind of like drop, drop my jaw, and I wasn't. <laughs> you were like um, WTF. Yeah, WTF. <laughs> I. I don't know that what happened that I'm a hundred percent comfortable with who who gave the order mm-hmm. for what happened. I felt that it like I was kind of I had echoes in my head of of Stephanie, and her saying about something about characters not acting like or themselves. Or Bob always saying it. <laughs> or Bob always saying this. I heard the both of them in, in my head, head when I saw I, this particular that's event a scary within, the, situation. within the book. Yeah, <laughs> and um, 
I I don't I mean I I I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the shock because that's not something that always happens. Mm-hmm. But um very 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 interested to see where this all ends up because yeah. it's really that particular character that is not something that I don't think would ever happen. I read it and I feel the same way. I think it's a very sketchy well, we have to see how it turns out. I mean, I, yeah. we're talking very vaguely here. You know, we think a certain thing has happened. It's I, I guarantee, I bet you that thing did not actually. Well, happen. that's what everybody keeps saying. They're like, "Well, did it really?" And I'm just, mm. "Well, then, what is the point?" Well, we have to see what the point is. <laughs> uh. You're in the middle of a story. M- me personally, the and we'll, this will I, actually, I don't think we should talk about it now because we can't talk about specifics and it's, it's right. like Let's pointless. Wait. Yeah. We'll wait till this is over. Um, <laughs> uh, really. Really quickly, uh, Daredevil 20, uh, 25, freaking amazing. Uh, that page, I don't mean to, I'm sorry to interrupt. No, it's okay. That page where it's a panel, it's it's pretty much half the page where it's just Daredevil's oh, yeah. face, it's yeah. his head, yeah. and it's split up into five different panels within a panel of all the different senses. Senses, yeah. That has got to be one of my favorite pages in in my reading comic books. It's an amazing Fantastic. page. Fantastic. It's an Fantastic. amazing page. And the story is great. And we get the introduction of, of a new nemesis uh, for Daredevil. And again, at the end of this book, there is a true WTF moment. You know? <laughs> nice. Um, it's just one of those moments where it builds to something and you, you think, you absolutely think it's one thing. And then when it, when it gets turned around, you just, I audibly went... Oh shit! Like that's what I said when I was reading the book. Uh, it's just great. I mean, it's it, really intense. Oh, it's really, really intense. It, it's a lot of the, you know Mark Wade. A lot of the issues, issues always have some sort of action in them, but this was a very action focused issue. Nearly the whole thing, all the way through. But uh, great stuff. If you guys are reading Daredevil, what are you doing? Um, <laughs> Get and, the program. And finally, again, you know, I'm just going to mention it slightly because I'm going to talk about it later as well. But. Uh, Justice League 19, uh, freaking loved it. Yep. You know, we, we it's, I feel like they were listening to the show when Rob and mm-hmm. we all talked about the interconnected universe because not only do we get some really, really fun scenes between the Atom and, and Firestorm where they're just basically looking for a, the kitchen and, the, and a bathroom in the, in the, in the watchtower, yeah. <laughs> but you get this conversation between Batman, Wonder Woman, and Superman where it really feels like they've known each other for a really long time, they're friends, and, and, th- and they're talking personally ab- about things that matter, and, and Batman's addressing the Wonder Woman-Superman relationship. Um, I-, I just loved it. And, and the book, as since Thorne Blanna started, I think has really hit its stride and has not fallen off. In fact, for me, has gained, because it started to do this more oh, absolutely. character-focused, interpersonal stuff between these people, which I've been wanting since issue one. Um, Steve, you, you you liked it as well. Oh, I loved it. Yeah, that was actually that was gonna be my if I didn't uh, have all these other books to talk about, <laughs> that was gonna be my book of the week. Nice. Uh, yeah, I really like I like the Atom a lot. Yeah, and uh, just where the where the book has gone. I mean, I've been reading it. I caught up on it, and it it did. It just got so much better. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty much around like the second arc forward. Yeah, uh, maybe a little bit into the second arc, it mm-hmm. really started to catch its footing, and once it did. It just seems to be getting better and better. Yeah. And I'm glad because it's, I don't read a lot of team based books. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that, is, especially in the DC universe, that um, I'm really glad to have one that is as good as that's getting. Yeah. Which yeah. Adam are they using, by the way? New. She's totally new. Oh, wow. Oh, it's a she. Yeah, it's a she. Wow. Uh, yeah, she's totally. funny as hell. Yeah, she's really funny. Uh, and again, Breath of Fresh Air in the DC books. 
And her relationship that she's developing with Firestorm is really great. Um, really looking forward. I love that those two characters are becoming a focus of one of the biggest books. And we're going to get to see John's working with characters like that because that's what he, what he does best. Um, so definitely, I think if you guys have been kind of waffling on Justice League, if you go back, I think 18, and if you can start at 18 and pretty much be okay, um, you know, you'll, you'll be behind a little bit. But I, I think, you know, that's really where this arc is beginning. And uh, I think starting at 18, you're going to have a great time. And I, I'm really excited about the Justice League going forward. Um, all right, so that's it uh, for the Book of the Week segment. Uh, we're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back and we'll talk about our top five ongoing series. As we promised, we're going to be discussing our top five um, ongoing series. But before we get to these lists, um, as we discussed before, we are going to try to eliminate the books that we often talk about uh, ad nauseum. Um, Some will stay on the list only because uh, we want to promote those books because they may not sell as well as we think they should. And those books, I think, deserve to be mentioned as much as possible. Um, But a lot of the books we talk about are very safe, and uh, we don't really have to worry about them. So, uh, I'm just, we'll just kind of play around. We'll just kind of do a no-fly zone list on, on some of these books. Um, first of all, we're not going to talk about Batman. Uh, uh, you all know we think it's great. Uh, it would be the number one on, on my list, probably. So, uh, not going to be on there. Also, no Daredevil. And, and, and for the same reasons. We talk about it all the time. Um, we obviously love it. We obviously think it's great. and But we want to talk about other stuff. Uh Steve, what are some books you're not going to talk about? Well, I'm not going to talk about Fantastic Four. Oops, right. there goes my number one. Okay. <laughs> and uh, I'm certainly not going to talk about the Future Foundation. Oh, there's number two. Thanks a lot. <laughs> I'm going home. I do not want to discuss Saga. I don't feel like talking about Superior Spider-Man. Uh, Morning Glories, you know. Uh, I got more. Uh, Hawkeye? See. I... Yeah, I don't know if we should talk about Hawkeye. Hawkeye is actually number one on my current favorite ongoing. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yep. So these are the fights you guys were talking about. Yeah. <laughs> the claws are coming out. Well, I'm just saying, we do talk about it a lot, um, and we do talk about it as probably one of the top three. It's talked about probably as much as Batman and and Daredevil. It's always somebody's book of the week. Yeah, it's always somebody's book of the week. It's always mentioned. If not all of us. Um, yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> So, uh, uh, as I said, it's definitely, it would be in my top five, absolutely, if we were going to talk about it, but I feel like we should probably leave it off this list. Right. All right. I can move one of my other ones. Okay. Then. I've lost three of my top six, so don't, 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 <laughs> don't give me the stink eye already, yeah. huh? I mean, I'll, FF would have been on my, it would have been yeah. on mine as well, you know, and, uh, you know, uh, I'm not sure, no, I'm, gonna, I don't, I'm not sure we talk about Batman and Robin either. Well, Batman and Robin's on my list, as well as Captain Marvel and Fatal for my other... Your other list. You're not talking about Yeah, list. the ones I, I, okay. I'm not even going to mention. That, wow, that, you okay. took Fatal off? That's my list right Well, there. it's okay. No, you no, can talk about Fatal. Yeah. We don't talk about Fatal that much, but Steve obviously feels like he talks about it enough where he doesn't need to be on his list. But right. if you want to leave it on your list, Joey, you're more than welcome to do that. Um, and I will. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm also not going to talk about Aquaman 
or Revival. Those are the, I'm not going to talk about those books either because I talk about them a lot. Fish sticks and dead people. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and Stephanie won't be talking about Rachel Rising. No, she will not talk about <laughs> Rachel Rising. <laughs> or Battle Pug. <laughs> no, although Rachel Rising might get mentioned by me. It's possible. It's so okay. good. <laughs> it um, is quite good. It is quite good. Uh, any other books you're not going to be mentioning, Bob, that we haven't mentioned yet? I accept ones I don't want to talk about entirely. No, that, that really just about does it, okay. I think. Joey, were there any books that, you, uh, that we haven't talked about yet that you didn't put on your list, even though they might be on there? Um, two books that are really, really good right now, but that I didn't want to talk about were uh, Bendis' X-Men books, All New X-Men and Uncanny X-Men. They're both very, very good, and they're both kind of interwoven, but I didn't really want to talk about it, and I'm sure they'd sell quite well being the kind of <laughs> flagship titles and with Bendis's name on it. Yes, absolutely. Um, okay, cool. Let's break in this. Let, let, let's start at, at, at five and uh, work our way down. Uh, I will, I, I'll start out. Uh, my number five is actually a book that sells very, very well, uh, but that I want to mention that's moved up my list very, very far to the point where it was probably not in my top 20 at the end of last year and is now in my top five would be Justice League, the number five book. Um, we t- I talked about it just a couple minutes ago, so I'm not going to go into a big thing about it. Uh, but I adore that book now. Jeff Johns has it, it, it's when you think when you think Jeff Johns is on a book and you think of that quality level, I think now it's hitting that quality level. So even though obviously it's still selling 100,000 units uh, a, a month, I, I think that's a book that deserves uh, to to rise above maybe the mediocrity that it's now known for because of the bad start it had, mm. and it deserves mm. to get the recognition for what it is now, which I think is a book that belongs as one of DC's flagship titles. So that's my number five. Hmm. Steve, what about you? Well, this took a lot of thought, mm-hmm. and I almost didn't do it, <gasps> but I did it. Mm-hmm. Whoa. My number five spot for my current favorite ongoing series is My Little Pony. I knew it! Friendship I is Magic. I to do it, but I didn't. So I'm glad <laughs> nice did. job. Yep. Nice. I am not ashamed to say I do not watch the show. I don't collect the toys. I don't wear a unicorn horn when I leave the house. Just uh, hear when he podcasts. Yeah, just, <laughs> yeah, right now. Um, I absolutely adore the series mm-hmm. I have since the first issue, it has never disappointed me. It is hilarious. It is hilarious. It is colorful. It's fun. The characters all have very, uh, very, very, very different personalities that all work together to create this chemistry, this sisterhood amongst all these ponies and everything. And even though saying the words or even reading the words, every pony still gnaws at my <laughs> at my core every time I read it. I can't, the facial expressions, the art for these books, they're so ridiculously expressive mm. and they're funny. They're so funny. And it's not even just like the, like, equestrian related, like the horse related jokes and the little, little jabs here and there. In the issues that followed that first one, it has just become more and more entertaining. The stories are actually quite big and quite imaginative right. for what you would perceive to be just like a spinoff of a toy series of something that came back with a vengeance. And rather than coming back and, and being either completely forgetful or subpar that they turned the My Little Ponies into this juggernaut of, of a uh, property now. And I just... I really give them credit. I mean, Katie Katie Cook is doing a wonderful job. They've had uh, Tom Zoller on the micro series, 
And it's just, I see all the all these different covers. Uh, Agnes Garboska just did a, a cover that she's selling at one of the cons. And it's gotten a huge community of people that are very, very friendly and very um, just appreciative of what the comic is. And there's a huge, huge fan base for this thing. Mm-hmm. So uh, I love it. I absolutely love it. Every time that it hits the you know, the stands, I am just as excited to buy it and read it as I am anything else. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So, yes. Great. Um, I do want to mention, I, the thing I didn't say about Justice League is, uh, Ivan Rice, who took over permanent duties uh, from Jim Lee on the book, it's a direct, and his taking over on the book has been a direct spike in the quality. I just think it's someone that Jeff Johns works better with. And I, I just want to point that out because, you know, it's easy. We talked, we talk about the negative things about DC, but when they're, when their house style is done very, very well, it's still beautiful to look at. And Ivan Rice is one of the best. So I just wanted to, I didn't want to forget the art in that book. Um, Bob, well, actually, yeah, Bob, give me your number okay. five. Uh, well, my number five, it, it's, it's in some ways related to yours, though it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Avengers Assemble. Okay. Which, you know, six issues in was just another useless tie-in book. Uh, changed writers went to Kelly Sue DeConnick, and instantly the book was the print representation of the tone of the movie. Mm. This was a fun book with characters recognizable as the movie characters, but still the comic book ones. It was funny, but still filled with action. We had my favorite moment in comics so far, Hulk, make me a sandwich. <laughs> Which is, you know, Spider-Woman, that's what she does. That's her power. Um, first arc was very good. We, we now had the Black Widow in Russia story, which was amazing and scary. And we all, unfortunately, Googled Crocodile <laughs> and made ourselves sick. Um, and even this last issue, the Ultron tie-in, mm-hmm. was a really great little story. I, for people who are looking at this off to the side, oh, I can't be bothered with this. This is a book to pick up. Mm. Great. Awesome. Joey, what about you? Near number five. Uh, my number five, I kind of went to, to the back wall, and I picked a little series coming out of Vertigo called The Unwritten. Hmm. Uh, I don't know if any of you have picked it up. No. They're up to issue number 51 now, which wow. blows my mind because they just started in 2009, but I, I guess that makes sense monthly issue-wise. Yeah. Um, it's by Mike Carey, who did work on X-Men Legacy, which is how I kind of picked up uh, unwritten. Um, Mike Carey also did work on Hellblazer, the, the Constantine, mm-hmm. John Constantine series. Um, it's about a character named Tom Taylor whose missing, mysteriously missing father was an author who wrote a children's wizarding book about a character called Tommy Taylor, right? Mm-hmm. So, so is the, and the question sort of early on in the series is, is Tom Taylor the same person as this fictional character, Tommy Taylor? And he goes through all these adventures, and Mike Carey really laces in a lot of blurring between fiction and, and reality and weaving in a lot of literary influences and um, references to novels like Frankenstein and all of these things into it. So it's a very smart book. Uh, Pete Gross is on the art. It's absolutely gorgeous. Um, but it's one of those little-known little books that's just really innovative and telling a really interesting story that um, I've, I've felt uh, should get showcased. And it's still going on. They're, like I said, they're up to 51. So it's probably an interesting time to, to jump on in terms of this series. I have the first four uh, trades. That's how I've been reading it. Um, mm-hmm. And when I found out it was still getting published, I was like, oh, I got to pick up the rest. Um, <laughs> because it's little books like these that 
that I think uh, do deserve a little bit more attention. Yeah, absolutely. That book has always intrigued me. Well, that uh, series has some of the best covers oh, yeah. ever oh, yeah. on, oh, yeah. it's on a, comics. Um, They're awesome. Yeah, the, amazing uh, covers. Spoiler, one of the, the newest issue of Unwritten made it into covers of the week this week. Oh, look at that. Nice. Um, and, I, I, and there's a Fables crossover coming. Between right. unwritten and it's fables, it's an event. An event, sorry. <laughs> an event. It's an similar event. to fables, um, right? In, yeah, in that way, yeah. Because it's about literary characters, right? N- n- not fairy tale characters, right? In a way, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool, hmm. awesome. Um, so uh, my number four is a book. Uh, you know, I was making these lists, and I was Bob were talking this off there, and I was going through, and there were books, you know, uh, either that. I liked that were kind of little or known indie books, but a lot of them were mini series. You know, like uh, Mara uh, is a yeah. book that I am absolutely adore. Uh, it would have been so high on this list, um, but it's not an ongoing. It's a mini series, so I could not include it. So a lot of my books end up being you know Marvel and DC books. Um, and number four is a book we talk about actually uh, you know often, uh, not so much me, but uh, Bob talks about it quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And number four is Gail Simone's Batgirl. Uh, yeah. you know, this is a, a, a book that Batgirl was a character who, before I started reading into comics and the new 52 knew nothing really about, except she was girl Batman, you know, I had no <laughs> connection, you know, ex- her appearing in the animated series. Obviously I have that connection to it, but nothing to the, the, the who Barbara was in, in a lot of ways. And, uh, Gail Simone's Batgirl, which was funny, was a book that I kind of was off and on at the, for the first, probably in nine issues I just I would read them and then uh, or I would borrow them and, and read them but not really pick it up and then starting with issue nine and this is kind of the power of, of crossovers and events sometimes um, with the, the Night of the Owl stuff uh, it was tied in so I would pick it up and, and since then I haven't stopped buying it and I, I think that uh, it, it's been a, a book uh, full of deep characterizations and um, you know interesting uh, relationships uh, and you know, feels in line with a bat universe, but also uh, delves into a, 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 a character who has a different mindset. You know, it, Barbara's very interesting because she does not do what she does out of some personal pain. She does it just out of a feeling of, of duty. You, mm-hmm. you know, and, and wanting to uh, wanting to emulate these two men in her life who who, who have been so impressive to her. And I, I find that to be interesting because she keeps going, even though she doesn't have this death of a, her parents to keep driving her forward. And to be able to write a character like that and never question why she would keep doing it, even with all this pain, I, I think is is quite masterful. And it's been, I think, great uh, so far in the new 52. So mm. that is my number four. Very good. Uh, um, Steve, your number four. My number four uh, is now, since I had to move stuff around, <laughs> my uh, fourth slot is Ultimate Comic Spider-Man. Okay. All right. I. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Sorry. I... No, I've. Um... He's adjusting his unicorn one. I've really, <laughs> I've really been enjoying the Miles Morales Spider-Man. I think it's a great direction for the Ultimate Universe. I like the way it was handled, the artwork moving from David Marquez to Sarah Pacelli, and now with the Venom Wars, it's just. It's been a lot of fun. It's been really cool to be um, there for something that's Spider-Man at the birth of something, at the birth of a new Spider-Man, at the birth of a new character. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Miles character is extremely, extremely well handled as far as uh, kid superhero books go. Uh, Kids can be annoying. I'm just going to say it. They can. (laughs) 
a lot, really. Uh, Miles is written with a sense of maturity and a, and a sense of, of like duty towards the costume and towards what he's supposed to be, but he's also scared, you know, and he's he's just thrown into this world with all these titans and all these people with superpowers and he's still wondering, you know, who am I and do I deserve this and look at the trouble it's already caused my family and friends and it's makes his character very complex and it's a huge huge departure from Peter Parker. Like if you're going to make another Spider-Man book, you could easily just have him be another mm-hmm. Peter Parker Spider-Man, but it's not. Uh as I said before, I'm really, really enjoying the Venom stuff. I believe today is uh, another issue in that uh, mm-hmm. in that yeah. event, and uh, I just think it's wonderful. I think it's a nice way. I mean, Superior Spider-Man is definitely at my, my number one right now. Really, really enjoying that. But my second would definitely have to be uh, Ultimate Comics Spider-Man. I get a a real thrill out of the the vantage point that we get from Miles's perspective and and his look on the world and i love his friend genki he's just fantastic he makes me laugh a lot it's it's pretty insane when you think about this brian michael bendis has been writing the ultimate spider-man line for like 13 years yeah and he's never not written it you know that's insane (laughs) that's an insane run uh on something uh that's a a great a great pick steve yep uh bob number four sure uh my number four is another book that wasn't on my list at all the last time it's fearless defenders Nice. That came very close. Nice. That was like my number seven uh, on my and, list. I mean, <laughs> just a few issues in here, but uh, it's Colin Bunn and Will Sliney are just, it's fun, great characters. Uh, if they did nothing but talk to each other, I think I'd have a good time reading this book. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then we start adding in Doom Maidens and, and all this other stuff, and, and Hell, uh, the new uh, warrior woman who's who's... You know, in the other universe, Wonder Woman's mom, but it's, yeah. it's Apollo and she's not here, but yeah. she's still a pretty bad character to deal with. Yeah. Uh, just a lot of fun. The, the promise of more female characters being added into this as we move forward. I, I think we're going to see the Black Cat and the Black Widow at some point. Mm-hmm. Lord nice. knows who else. Moving on, I just think this will be a lot of fun for people to keep on. I, I'm sure people are, it's not turning out in droves for this as, as of yet. No, I don't think so. But I don't think the sales were were bad at, at all in the, in the first run. And I think it's getting very good word of mouth. And Marvel seems to be very much about keeping those books alive if they're getting a ton of good press. So hopefully the book gets that kind of push behind yeah, it. Yeah, I sure hope so. More people need to see this one. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. Um, Joey, you're number four. Um, I wasn't going to have this book on my list until I, I cut all new X-Men and Uncanny X-Men. I put Wolverine and the X-Men on the list. Mm. Um, and... Back in 2011, when we kind of got pre-Marvel now on the X side of Marvel with the schism and the regenesis of everything, um, this book, Wolverine and the X-Men, was kind of that that flagship title that came out of it. And for a while, up until Avengers vs. X-Men, it was kind of the core X-Men title, which I know irked a lot of X-Fans. But after Avengers vs. X-Men and and you had the Marvel Now stuff, um, this one kind of took a backseat to 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 the two Bendis books. And in doing that, Jason Aaron has been able to kind of just write whatever he wants. Mm-hmm. So we had a story with Frankenstein's monster and, and he's doing some wonderful stuff with, with his younger, um, I guess the teen mutants at the, at the Jean Grey school. And uh, the art's always been, been really, really wonderful. And I think that in this post Marvel now 
publishing line where Bendis is doing the mainstream story with All New and, and Uncanny, I think Jason Aaron really is getting the opportunity now around issue number 28 to really write fun, interesting, and innovative stories. Um, and, and since Avengers vs. X-Men, this book has really upped its game, and, I, and I'm really, really enjoying it. Awesome. Awesome. I love that book. Yeah. It's yeah. great. Uh, my number three is uh, Jonathan Hickman's new Avengers, uh, which has blown me away, honestly, reading uh, the issues that have come out monthly. Crazy. Yeah. They've come out monthly. Um, the the feeling of uh, importance and, and depth and intelligence that exists in that book has hooked me way more uh, than his mainline uh, Avengers run, which has also been good. But I, I feel like this is a, a, a next-level book to me, mm-hmm. and it, it just feels substantial. It feels like this is something you should be reading, and that you don't get that a lot in, in, in disposable mainstream media. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. You know, uh, Great entertainment, pure and simple, is also wonderful. Um, and you're gonna, and actually, the number the number two on my list is gonna be pretty much all about that. But uh, I love that feeling of that there's there, there's so much to dig into here, and that you're dealing with big questions that you know that don't have simple answers. And I really I really love that about this book. Plus, you get you get a great depiction of T'Challa, um, and and great takes on all those characters. You know, and for me personally, I've been very kind of hungry especially this Marvel Now stuff for uh, the Inhuman characters. And, you know, we get some in FF and we get some in this. And I love the idea of the Black of Black Bolt and what he is and figuring out the kind of the mystery of what he is and, and all that stuff. And um, just, and the, and the Steve Epting art has been uh, gorgeous. Yeah. Um, yeah. Really, I, you know, it's, it's the, when, the, when it comes out, the week it comes out, it always moves to the very top of my pull list. It's always one of the, the three or four books that I first read on, on the Wednesday. So, you know, that's why it's at my number three. So I'm loving that, too, more than regular Avengers on yeah. my list. It's, it's mm-hmm. in that way, too. They're a little further down. Um, the Illuminati was a concept I never was much for. It mm-hmm. just seemed patently stupid, actually. <laughs> uh, th- those characters have... Not that much in common. It just seemed like, oh, we'll throw them all together. We'll make it work. Hickman's found a way to make it work. There are some very big personalities in that room, but they're all distinct, and they all serve their purpose. Reed is the smartest guy in the room, as he should be, but he's in a room of really, really smart people who do not come off second best. Yeah. Uh, the Chichala namer thing, considering oh, yeah, what yeah. happened during AVX, yeah. is just really intense. You know, I will kill you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm loving the Black Swan. In the new issue yeah. that's coming out today, we're going to hear a lot about what she's on about besides liking French fries. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's great. Yeah, it, it, it just, I'm so excited for it. Steve, uh, give me your number three. Well, uh, my number three slot, there was kind of a fight for it. It was either going to be Mind Management or Rachel Rising. Okay. So I gave it to Mind Management. Okay. Uh, even though Rachel Rising is spectacular. I love it. But Mind Management, I sat down. I read the first issue when it first came out. And then uh, I think it was just last week I, I spoke about the series. Uh, I sat down with the number one to current and I... Whenever I, I sit down to read a run and I'm 
I'm almost reading faster than my brain can process or my mm. eyes can see the page. I was blowing through this series and just exploring it, turning the book on its side and looking at all the little hidden extras. And uh, it just strikes me as something that people should be aware of, seek it out. I believe the uh, first trade is available now. And it's just, I wanted to put it on my list purely for the sake of, well, it is it is fantastic, but it's a comic that utilizes every bit of the page and entertains you in multiple ways, not just the main story. You get basically three stories for the price of one. Mm. And I just think that that's awesome. Yeah. So um, definitely is a new issue coming out today mm. and it's great. If you want to jump on even to the second arc, there's a really great first like three pages that catch you up and you can jump right in. It's awesome. awesome. That's great. Bob. My number three is X Factor. Um, moved moved up on the list, even (laughs) without me losing spaces, it it had moved up. Um, honestly, from, you could go back as far as you'd like with Peter David on this, but this last bit from, from just before breaking points through here is you can read as one giant storyline, yet each, each individual issue has something to recommend it and is complete within itself. You get to see what Lorna Dane's about, what happened with Magneto, what's that about? what each character has. The Run Layla Run issue, which was one of my favorites of last year. Yeah. And just every issue, all these characters, and they're also purely, perfectly defined. Each issue over and over again, if you've never picked one up before, you can still jump into X Factor, one back from whatever's on the stand, and get something out of it. Mm -hmm. And it's very tough to do with such a huge cast. Not to mention one of them can be 14,000 people at once. (laughs) Uh... This, this Hell on Earth War, this is an amazing story that I don't think enough people are seeing. It's just a great little mini event of itself. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the numbering scares people as well. Yeah, you're, you're coming in oh, at yeah. 255 or whatever, right? <laughs> yeah, I think it definitely scares people. Uh, you just got to jump into it. You got to find one of the part ones of something and just yeah. jump to it and realize there's so much history that unless you're going to read it all or catch up on a Wikipedia you're just not going to know a lot of the stuff. Just read it and get familiar with the characters as you go along, you know, and just accept that for an issue or two, you're going to be a little confused. But if you're enjoying what you're getting, even if you're confused, keep going. Yeah. And Peter will catch you up. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Joey, number three. Well, um, I'm gonna talk, I'll talk about X Factor now. X Factor was number one on my list, but oh. just to, to uh-huh. kind of go off what but Bob was saying um, the other thing I really enjoy about X factor is that it's evolved so much over the last eight years that, that mm-hmm. Peter David has been writing it. Um, and you were saying before um, uh, Bobby about how Bendis was writing Ultimate Spider-Man for 13 years. Well, when you have that kind of continuity in the, in the creative team, at least on, in the writer perspective, you have so much um, history, not necessarily across like, 50 years like in the Marvel Universe but just in this one book so long term readers do get that but he has such a good grasp on the characters that he is able to rope you in on on any book that you do pick up Um, but back to that point about evolution it started as this very kind of detective noir kind of story and then we we had you know some some political stuff with the civil war stuff going on and then all of a sudden we were in the future and with aliens and robots and now uh we're doing this kind of more supernatural mystical bent with the hell on earth war and i and i think going back to one of the things i admired so much about wolverine and the x-men is that peter david really gets free reign with this book and gets to kind of tell whatever stories he wants to tell and the thing that really fascinates me is that 
if you look at the numbers for how it's selling, it, it always kind of stays at the same place. But Marvel, I don't think, will ever, fingers crossed, ever cancel this 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 book or knock on wood or whatever the expression no. is. Um, but but I think part of it is because the fan base is so just interested in it and interested in seeing where, where Peter David goes with the book. Um, it's one that I've been pulling since I started pulling uh, comics and it's one that has survived schism and survived Marvel now. And, and it's still at its, it's quote unquote original numbering. And I just think it's such a, a wonderful list, um, a wonderful book that, that I put it at number one on my list. Um, but I'll figure it out. It makes sense to talk about it now. Okay. Awesome. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what we can do is we can we'll we'll go back to me and then you can do your number two as your number one when we get back to the end. All right, Joey. Yes. Okay. All right. So um, my <laughs> <Mad>. number two, <laughs> un- unlike Joey, I didn't leave these books off uh, this book off my list. Uh, it's all new X Men is my number two uh, book. Uh, I have never I've always been interested in the X Men since the animated series days. Never felt like I really had an in. Never felt like I had a beginning to start with. Not until this Marvel Now stuff. Not until uh, the the Brian Michael Bendis All New X Men, and it's it, it's teamed with Uncanny X Men in a lot of ways. But All New X Men, both in Stuart Immonen's art, Immonen's art, and in David Marquez's art, uh, uh, has been a gorgeous book. Has been a character centric book. Has been a, a a surprising book, and has been one of those things that. When I finish it, I don't care that it's coming out in two weeks or a week or whatever it's coming out because I just want to read more of it. You know, yeah. I don't, I don't, it doesn't bother me that there's been 12 issues in, you know, two months or whatever we've been, or three months, whatever we've had, because every time I read it, I'm just, uh, I, I just want more of it, you know? And, and I, I actually, unlike a, some of the other books, I love the fact that just about every week I'm reading part of this story. And I, I between this and Uncanny X Men, um, I talked about it when we happened, but the 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 Kitty Pride Iceman like mock conversation where they're kind of mocking what Beast and Captain America are talking about. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite moments this year so far in any comic book. Just really really funny. I, I I've I've loved the exploration of these people. I've I've loved the depiction of Jean especially. I I, I God bless you, Steve. Thank you. <laughs> I love seeing how complicated her character is, and, and you know uh, the, the way you get into it. I, I I've I, I've I've also loved to see the way that Bendis has begun to redeem uh, Scott Summers in a very interesting way. Yes, you know, in in both in both his adult self and his younger self. You know, getting into the mind of this man who we've talked about many times about the way that he became a very kind of unlikable jerk for for a little while. Um, I, I feel has really began this genesis where you you're, you especially in Uncanny, you you get to see him and you start. There are moments where you're like, "Huh, maybe he's not wrong in the things that he's saying." And you he know? never was. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, uh, and 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 the, the and the way that he has designed his has taken culpability for the things he's done, but also been you know been willing to stand up for himself. I, I I've enjoyed seeing the way the character is starting to be brought back from the abyss. It's a slow process, but I feel like when a character has gone that far down, he needs to come back slowly. You can't just you, you can't just hit a hit a switch and have him be the character he was. Or what's the point of having this continuity you've had for you know so many years? Um, hmm. uh, I, I've been loving it. I love this. Uh, I love the new storyline with the addition of the the kind of new league of uh, evil mutants, the Brotherhood that's co- that's coming into fruition. Uh, just 
in uh, loving this X-Men stuff. And for the first time, really being a giant X-Men fan in, in a comic book vein. And all new X-Men is pretty much the reason for that. Who would you side with? They just recently asked, will you come over to our uh, school? Or, <laughs> I, or would, I would still stay. I would still stay with the Wolverine school. Ah, you're such uh, a Gryffindor. Because the... <laughs> There's, there's still a little bit of I, I'm not really, a, I'm not really a fighter. I'm not really a, uh, a violent guy. And Bobby's I, a lover. And if I went over to Scott's <laughs> school, I would really have to get into the shit. You know, I'd have to. <laughs> they just throw me in there. Like you're gonna, be, you're gonna be a soldier. I'm not. I want to be a student. If I decide to be a soldier when I graduate, that's another story. Don't want to be a soldier uh, right away. Right. Not gonna go break forty-seven people out of prison. Exactly. Tomorrow. Yeah. Exactly. No, no, no. I want to say I want to learn. You know, I want to do some cool classes. I want to danger room. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, but yeah, for all those reasons and more, uh, all new X Men is on there, and you know, Uncanny X Men could very well just slot in the same thing right next to it for many of the same reasons. Um, but that's my number two, Steve. Very cool. Uh, my number two is Journey into Mystery. Awesome. Ooh. I absolutely love Journey into Mystery. It is a wonderful series uh, written by Catherine and Monin. She, I've talked about her a few times on the show. She is a strange bird <laughs> in a sense of that it's almost like warming up a car. She, she writes and something that she, that she starts, she begins. It's very, it's not disjointed, but it takes you a while to catch the rhythm of her voice and the way that she builds her stories. But once she lays the foundation you seem to slip into her her mindset and where she's trying to take the story and the language of it and the it, it's her stuff has a underlying rhythm to it that I don't find many other comic books have like I'm just watching a scene or I'm reading you know an event going on when I read journey into mystery I am like transported. The The art for the book is stupendous. It's very, very colorful. It's very visceral. And it's just, it's got so much personality to it. Lots of great facial expressions, exasperation, desperation, rage. Um, the whole thing with her basically becoming a berserker to have that be the first uh, arc and the first story within the series that I hope survives. <laughs> Maybe this podcast will help. Um, I just think it's fantastic. I love, I've really, of all the worlds aside from Fantastic Four, the other world that I've gotten really comfortable within in the Marvel Universe is Asgard and all the things that come with it between uh, a lot of Fearless Defenders has, you know, echoes mm -hmm. of that stuff. Um, I'll get something a little bit later. But um, I love the 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 gods and just all the the mythology that follows these stories and how even if a character is new sometimes they're based on things that I've heard of throughout my growing up and throughout my reading and it's just so cool to see versions of those gods or those characters or those things throughout my reading history done and done so well and in such an entertaining way and you'll be hard pressed to find uh, warriors and barbarians and stuff that are written better than in this book. <laughs> all of them have ridiculous, ridiculous personalities that all play off one another. And Sif is just a major, major badass. Uh, <laughs> I would love to see more of her character in the second Thor film, which mm -hmm. I'm assuming that we will. Yeah. yeah she so. is just wonderful. Yeah. Um, this is one of these books, like, it's a. It, I, I was so in love with the Kieran Gillen run mm -hmm. on Journey into Mystery 
that I feel like I had kind of like that. Um, I I got the first issue of the new of the new run, and yeah. I liked it, but I it was like I was still kind of like withdrawals from the mm-hmm. the, the the kid Loki. Like that whole story that happened, yeah. so I I think I didn't warm to it, and so I haven't kept picking it up. But your endorsement of it makes me want to like pick up the well, train. I mean, I'll paint you a picture. They're they're in this <laughs> they're in this place. She's hanging out with these basically these um, these warriors that have been exiled, and they're in this place, and she's in this place with them. And she basically says, you know, why are you still here? Why are you? What are you doing? Like, we got to go over there. Like, well, nobody goes over there. It's why. Because there's something living uh, underneath the water. So, well, what is it? And they're like, it's the biggest, baddest, most horrible, nightmarish thing. You have it hasn't even been dreamed of or talked about in forever. It's like, oh yeah, well, let's go fuck it up. And that's <laughs> like that's her attitude. Her the whole her whole goal is to become a better warrior because she's tired of all of these things coming into Asgard and have her the she sees these people that just want to live their lives mm-hmm. and they're constantly having to rebuild their cities they're losing family members people are becoming sick with new diseases that they can't uh, figure out how to cure children are going hungry and she basically says this can't happen anymore what can i do to become a better warrior to slay all these things that are making life so miserable for all my people and by doing that, she basically becomes possessed and goes through the story not acting like herself. But in the end, by the end of the arc, she learns a very valuable lesson about Asgard that just makes me love that world that much more mm-hmm. when you get to the core of it. You'll have to read it to find out what I'm talking about. Yeah. But once you do, I'm sure you'll be surprised. <laughs> There's been another commercial-like review from yeah. Steve Say. Awesome. <laughs> they need her in Japan when Godzilla shows up. That's yeah. a great attitude to have. <laughs> right? Wrecking everything. Absolutely. And, yeah. Absolutely. Well, she just she just goes right for it. I, I love that. Like That's what you're afraid of. They're like Nobody goes near that thing. She's like, well, then I'm going near yeah. that thing. Absolutely. Um, Bob, you're number uh, two. My number two has been mentioned before by you. It's Batgirl. Okay. Uh, so I'm just going to do this quickly. It was the only new 52 book I was buying to start with, and I think pretty soon it will end up being <laughs> the only one I will be. Um, it was. It would have been very easy to have the character of Barbara Gordon really fouled up, considering what they were preparing to do, taking her from Oracle. And letting Gail Simone continue to do it, and then even after she got fired for a weekend, um, <laughs> has just been amazing. It's it, she carried that through to a logical conclusion. You know, we're, we're getting now uh, in the last issue elements of what it was they did so she could walk again, and she's been struggling with that ever since. And it's that heroic struggle against, as you say, Bobby. It's her, she doesn't do this because she has some tragedy. Mm-hmm. She did it because she respected Batman and her dad in the zero issue we saw how yeah. that played itself out, but struggles against with survivor's guilt. She's walking and other people don't. Yeah. And so what's her responsibility to mm-hmm. those people as well as Gotham City, the downtrodden, the people that, that not even Batman finds mm-hmm. to, to help out that she's finding? Yeah. Uh, just an amazing piece of work. Uh, thankfully, Gail's back. Mm-hmm. So he yeah. would... Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Joey, I guess this is to be your number three, right? Yes, my number three. Yeah. Um, I'm going to 
just throw three titles out here for my number three. Three for three. I like it. I like it. Cheating. That was an accident. But no, uh, I I love it because I like cheating like that too. Yeah. Go for go well, for the hat trick. Two of them are two of them were on the kind of no fly zone, so I didn't want to talk too much about them. But Morning Glories and Fatal, uh, I think, are just fantastic. But one book that I didn't realize was an ongoing, but they have been releasing um, issues in an ongoing story. Is is that the the little comic that could from Monkey Brain, the Bandette? I don't mm-hmm. know if you guys are reading Bandette. Um, it's this t- uh, comic from Monkey Brain, I guess, on on Comicsology. Um, has this very art's very kind of '60s feel. It takes place in in it has this kind of French Perry Parisian feel to it. Um, it's about this this girl thief hero who's battling a um, master thief and going on all these little misadventures. It's just this wonderful little comic um, released digitally through Monkey Brain Comics, which um, I wanted to include on this list someplace. And I didn't realize it was it was they were still putting out issues. Um, but I guess it does count as an ongoing, so I wanted to Absolutely. put it on the list. Bandit by uh, Paul Tobin. And I, I believe that they're putting out a, a printed collection of it, uh, images printing the monkey ah. brains up in, in, oh. in hardcovers. So there, there you, you go. go. There you go. Um, so that would be your number three? Yes, uh, Bandit. Yeah. And now we're going to go to our number ones. <laughs> um, so my number one is a book that we've talked about many times, but it's a book that barely sells anything. And so I do still want to talk about it. And Stephanie's not here to plant the flag, so I will continue <laughs> oh, the go. the mission. Uh, Rachel Rising is number the, one. Number one. Damn. Wow. Um, it, it's a book that we, we. I mean, we talk about ad nauseum, so it's tough to say anything new about it. But it, it takes a story that you have you think might have been told a thousand times already, but puts a completely new spin on it. Uh, such amazing character work. Uh, you know, it, both in the writing and in the art, um, that just, you know, there are people you instantly love and people you instantly despise, and you're constantly, you know, curious about the mysteries behind what's happening. There's so much mythology at play here, but it's not weighed down by that mythology in any sort of way. Um, it, it's an incredibly intense book without being a, a very downtrodden book. There's a scene in the last issue with, with Rachel reaching down into a, into a grave that, that's incredible. It's just so intense. You know, my heart was, was racing when it was happening. And, you know, there are not many books I, I feel can do that. And it's a book that I believe deserves to be read by, by everybody. I, I don't think there's anyone who would not enjoy the book because I think it has a little something for everything unless you're just a superhero person, then maybe there's not a book for you, but it's little, it's honestly just great literature. So I, I, I I think that it it should be read and it deserves to be talked about. And when it comes out, it's the top of my pile. It's the first book I read. And you know, like I said, there's many books on the no fly zone that there are a couple books that would be ahead of this book, but still um, it's an amazing read and something that, you know, needs to be in more people's hands. There's a new one today. I know there is. Wow. <laughs> he knows. Another three ninety nine out of my pocket. <laughs> so there you go. That's my number one, Rachel Rising. Steve, 
Yes. I love that series, mm. Rachel Rising. Um, that was another one that I sat down and read in one shot. And uh, there were there were a couple of books like that that I didn't want to put on my list because I felt like it was almost like premature because you know how like you read something and you're so jazzed by it? Oh, yeah. Like, oh! like I, I needed a little bit more time to sit with it, but I just, it really, really is a, uh, a fantastic series. And it's going to be ending within the next couple of months, I think, issue 24. Like it's like five or six months, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I'm just saying, like, mm-hmm. if if you know, if you feel like it's too late to jump on, it won't be too much longer until you could probably get it in a collected thing yeah. of sorts, mm-hmm. right. an omnibuy. So, yes. <laughs> All right. So staying in Asgard, my number one choice for favorite ongoing series is Thor, God of Thunder. Nice. Yup. Um. Wow. I I love Jason Aaron has been doing a lot of great work. Uh I've really really been enjoying his Wolverine and the X-Men run. Uh I've picked up a couple of his other stuff, his previous stuff and just really really dig his kind of fanciful way of approaching characters and when I heard that he was going to be writing Thor, I was super super excited but wasn't quite sure as to how he would approach it. This is like, this is some epic, epic Thor storytelling. I mean, this it spans almost three lifetimes worth of Thor's life. Um, Thor basically ascends to his father's position and becomes like, you know, the governor of gods. Mm-hmm. And the the god killer the the thing that they like the the main enemy that's mm. been in, featured in the book so far i think it's been about 6 or 7 issues this guy is just menacing as all hell <laughs> the language of the book is spectacular it feels epic like i feel like when i i don't feel like i'm, I'm reading a comic book when i read thor like i feel like i'm reading a tome or <laughs> Some like like an actual history mm-hmm. book of something that would have happened. Like we all know, like the Greek gods and all of those stories. Yeah. This newest story sounds like it could have been something that was written all the way back then, and it's just a retelling of that story. But it's not. But it has that sense of of like epic scope and history to it, and just the idea of there being almost like a serial killer of the gods mm-hmm. and it's up to Thor to solve the crime and mm-hmm. beat this thing down. And the idea that they tell you right off the bat that Thor is a, is a gray haired missing eyes, mm-hmm. arms, all kinds of, he's been through the mill mm-hmm. and this thing is still hunting him and still torturing him all throughout his life, which is essentially an eternity and to have a villain, you know, be around that long and cause him that much torment, I just, I think it's awesome. Yeah. As far as putting putting a god up against something, that's how you do it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just wonderful. Every time that it comes out, um, I actually dropped off, not dropped off of it, but I kept a couple of issues to the side. I think I had about four issues. And I sat down and read it all in one thing, and I was like sweating by the end. <laughs> I oh, it was just awesome, so awesome. Every time that one of those comes out, uh, it's near the top of my pile. I don't read it right away because I have to be in the mood. But once I am in the mood, I like to grab a beer and sit down and uh, 
I also love the fact that with all the seriousness that there are moments of Thor still being like a fun, mm-hmm. loving guy. Like he's got, you know, casks of ale up hooked onto his shoulder and he's just kind of <laughs> doing shots out of barrels and crap like that. <laughs> you know, sleeping with the, the harem and stuff mm-hmm. like that. It's just, it's fun. And the Isad Arabic, the, mm-hmm. the artist, spectacular. Yeah. So that is my number one uh, favorite ongoing is Thor, God of Thunder. Yeah, Jason Aaron is great at that epic voiceover stuff. I mean, yeah. it's there. And even though I wasn't in love with the Thanos issue, it's definitely there in that as well. You feel it. Yeah, in absolutely. There. Yeah. And I, I always remember, even though, you know, we're very, uh, you know, lukewarm to very negative on AVX, the second issue, which he wrote, was all that voiceover stuff. And mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I'm not going to be able to the line exactly, but there's that Wolverine line where it's like another, another sad day in a man who's seen too many. Or whatever, mm. you, you know, and it just that kind of it, he just has a special way of writing that stuff, which is, you know, it's just different than everyone else. Right. Bob, you're number one. My number one's Captain Marvel. Uh, nice. To me, if there is an example of how to do a superheroine mm-hmm. uh, in this still too dismissive age of such things with, you know, we we see way too much bad stuff. This this is a. Character study of a flawed woman who strives to overcome those flaws, and that's all great, you know, a wonderfully deep story. On top of that, though, it's still a lot of fun. It's filled with action. It's a great comic book. It isn't just some sort of political action screed right, no. thrown out there. Look, I can do this. Yeah. No, it's just a damn fine comic book, mm-hmm. beginning to end. And interesting choices of artists. I mean, there's some disagreement about that as we've gone through. They've, they've selected artists to match certain tones here. Book just continues to get better, which is not something you do a year in, mm-hmm. but still working at it and just my favorite, my number one. Great. And and Joey, you're number two. Uh, my, t- my number two could have been my number one if X Factor just wasn't such a, held such a uh, special place in my heart, but my number two is is Kieran Gillen's Young Avengers. Mm. Ooh, um, ooh. It's just started, so we'll see where it goes. But I'm just such a huge fan of of Kieran uh, uh, Gillen and Jamie McElvey, who's doing the art mm-hmm. um, from back in their their phonogram days. They did this this wonderful little like alternative music scene in yep. underground Britain. Just great stuff uh, with mysticism worked in. Really excellent stuff there. Um, so when they were announced for Young Avengers, I was like, I'm going to pick this book up and these first three issues and i think there's another one uh coming out uh today yep um it's been so aware of of its role of of its position as a, as a comic and the way that mcelvey's been laying out the panels and the way that that um gillen's been kind of structuring his narrative it just takes advantage of all of the kind of um leaps and and really fanciful things that the comics medium can do. And, and that's really something that I really enjoy about comics. And I'm glad to see this creative team taking advantage of that. And the characters, you mentioned Kid Loki before and uh, Kate Bishop, who's in Hawkeye is, mm-hmm. is coming back and um, Marvel boy. I don't know what he's calling himself now, but uh, <laughs> uh, he's in there as well. Just the cast is, is so interesting and it's really capturing that sort of, young hero feel that that marvel um does well every once in a while and 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 wolverine and the x-men is another example of that too so young avengers i would definitely recommend as a one that i hope continues to to go on during marvel now awesome uh joey i have a question for you yes you mentioned phonogram 
Yes. I have Phonogram. I tried reading it. I didn't get very far. But did you say that there's mysticism in that book? Yeah, it gets like super magical with supernatural stuff going on. Really? Um, yeah, it gets trippy. It the gets first like trippy. 15 pages, it's very like snooty and very um, yeah, like this- art, like music snobbery. Yeah, music snobbery of a character that looks oddly like Kieran, Kieran Gillen in some bar yeah. listening to music. And then what happens is he goes into the bathroom and gets attacked by a spirit monster. Really? So keep reading. <laughs> huh. <laughs> it, it gets interesting. I don't. Uh, it's obviously clearly some of his earlier work, so it's not necessarily as refined as some of his work on Journey right. into Mystery or some of his more the work he's doing now. But it's just so interesting to kind of look back at that stuff. I think I might pack that for the plane tomorrow. Mm. Yep. Awesome. Awesome. So those are our uh, our top fives. Um, we got all. I got so many listener. Uh, suggestions cool. for this. Lots of them on Facebook. Oh my god, Facebook, nice. crazy. We got like forty-five comments on on the on the the Facebook post. Yeah. Um, uh, start with Twitter because there's less there. But um, this is from uh, Frank. He's at shocked eighty-seven. He said Thor, God of Thunder, best series out right now. Yeah. Um, this is from Luke uh, at LukeMan eighty-six ten. Captain Marvel, Indestructible Hulk, Thor, God of Thunder, Justice League, and Green Lantern. <clears throat> um, Josh, who's Josh eleven twenty-six H. Um, on Twitter, it said "Journey into Mystery." Nice. Um, this is from uh, Josh. He's Boltzmann thirty-eight. He said "Green Lantern" and Hawkeye. Um, Don. This is from Donald. It's uh, Don Claxo on Twitter. Thief of Thieves, Mind Management, Invincible, Shadow Man, ah. and Dial H. Oh, uh, Dial H. Yeah, and he also says he loved Colder and Luther Strode, but they're both minis. Luther Strode but... rules. Yeah, <laughs> Colder was good too. Yeah. Luther Strode is the shit. <laughs> um, uh, friend of the show Ryan Carroll our Carroll 31 on Twitter says Avengers New Avengers and Transformers more than meets the eye what's around the other ones <laughs> <laughs> consistently consistently amazing each and every issue um, this is from Eric at Rick Kowalter on Twitter um, if we're talking current series he says Aquaman Thief of Thieves Ultimate Spider-Man American Vampire and Guardians of the Galaxy um, Travis McCollum uh, at the official time uh, news writer on uh, on the website uh Captain Marvel, Revival, Judge Dredd, All New X Men, and Red Hood and the Outlaws. Dredd is good. Judge Dredd is very good. Um, uh, Robert Gall at Robert Gall on Twitter says Chu and Hawkeye. Um, we we've got uh, this is at this John D. Another vote for Hawkeye and Batgirl as well. Um, from Reverend Dan Wilson, it was Dragons Rejects on Twitter. It's uh, Thor, Uncanny Avengers, Revival, Animal Man, Nightwing. Um, hmm. Uh, we've got uh, Brad, who's at all four PDK. It's he's loving revival and mice Templar, um, from uh, uh, middle aged DM. We have Thor, <laughs> Hawkeye, Flash, Teen Titans, and Suicide Squad. Um, Super Bad Larry gave us uh, a lot. Uh, Uncanny X Men, Uncanny Avengers, All New X Men, um, Indestructible Hulk. And he says, number six, especially, is leaning around that path because he said it was so freaking great. Um, uh, Sarah said, is at uh, M-I-R-N-E-L-L uh, on Twitter, says, uh, Hawkeye, Talon, and Red Hood, and the Outlaws. Um, Lots of love for the Red Hood. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, at Paul underscore writes, uh, Saga, Lock and Key, Prophet, All New X-Men, uh, The Stuff of Legend, and yes. Fables. Stuff of Legend is fantastic. Good choice. Uh, Justin at JFK256. 
uh, uh, says Hawkeye. Um, so that's uh, bro. Uh, the Twitter list, Hawkeye bro. Um, now Facebook, where we got a, a freaking ton of comments. Um, Boy Ackerman says, by far invincible by Kirkman and Otley. It's been so consistently good for such a long time that it has deservedly grown from a small alternative cape book to the comic I look forward to the most. Um, Christian says, fanboys versus zombies. Uh, Ryan says, I've been loving Nightwing. Um, the latest issue had a punk rock Jesus reference. Doesn't get much better than that. Uh, Andy B says, Thor, God of Thunder. Uh, Rich says, Invincible, Mind Management, Fearless Defenders, Ultimate Spider-Man, and Animal Man. Uh, Hugh Perry, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Revival, Superior Spider-Man, and Mind Management. Uh, Paco says, Morning Glories, Mind Management, Hawkeye, and Manhattan Projects. Nice. Um, Clay says, Thor, New Avengers, Morning Glories, Manhattan Projects, and Blackacre. Um... Uh, Dylan says uh, Fable, Superior Spidey, Thor, and Fatal, and of course Hawkeye as well. Um, uh, Brian F. says All New X-Men, Thor, God of Thunder, Superior Spider-Man, Shadow Man, Nova, Hawkeye, and Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, Donnie says Superior Spider-Man, Revival, Brian Wood's Star Wars, Batman and Robin, and Todd, the ugliest kid on Earth. (laughs) There's going to be a a fifth uh, in (laughs) September, I believe. Nice. Yes. Um, Melissa Megan says uh, criminal macabre, uh, and also um, uh, Leonardo Nieves says uh, that Boy Ackman is spot on with Invincible. That's his top book. But Thor, God of Thunder, Savage Wolverine, um, Hawkeye, and Bedlam. It's funny. I love Savage Wolverine. Everything with the exception of the Mystic Dude. <laughs> Everything else is great. Uh, Jason says his five would be Hawkeye, Five Ghosts. Thor, God of Thunder, Manhattan Projects, and Uncanny Avengers. Uh, Jonathan uh, W. says, All New X-Men, Thor, God of Thunder, and Superior Spider-Man. Uh, Joseph says, Deadpool, A plus X, Alpha Big Time, Justice League of America, uh, and the normal Justice League, and also Vibe. Um, wow. Yeah. Joe T. says, Transformers, More Than Meets the Eye. Um <laughs> Poor other. What's the other one again? Robots in, in disguise. disguise. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do, 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 do. Uh, <laughs> Otha says Batwoman, Uncanny X Men, Morbius, Superior Spider Man, and Wolverine. Uh, Declan says Captain Marvel and Batwoman. Uh, Matthew Summers, Thor, God of Thunder, Chew, Revival, Thief of Thieves, Deadpool. Um, <laughs> and he says, sadly, nothing DC other than Batman has caught him. And of course, Hawkeye. Uh, of course. Kenneth, Hawkeye, yeah. yeah, Hawkeye is everywhere. Kenneth Z says Legion of Superheroes, Hawkeye, Superior <laughs> Spider-Man, Invincibles, Invincibles, Invincible, and Fables. Um, Michael K says Hawkeye, The Rocketeer, yeah. Fables, BPRD, Wolverine, and the X-Men. Also loves Revival, but he's three issues behind, so he'd think he can count it on his list. Uh, Jake T says Hawkeye, surprise. <laughs> uh, the Walking Dead, East of West, uh, Indestructible Hulk, and Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, Kellen says New Avengers, Mind Management, Manhattan Projects, Hawkeye, and Chew. Um, and he says, but according to our criteria, Daredevil, FF, and Saga would all be on the list otherwise. Uh, friend of the show, Sarah Bell, says Mind the Gap, Revival, My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic. There you go. Dead oh, Mind the Gap. That's a great one. <laughs> Deadpool and Captain Marvel. Um uh, uh, from Marcial, he says, Avengers, Aquaman, Deadpool, Green Lantern, Animal Man. Uh, Dave M. says, Chew, <laughs> Shadow Man, Bedlam, Walking Dead, and wait for it, Ferals. Um, yeah. Adam Shaw says, Thor, uh, God of Thunder, Avengers, Nova, Hawkeye, Superior, Spider-Man. Uh, Sean Lamont says, uh, 
Dial H, Red Hood and the Outlaws, The Sixth Gun, and Wonder Woman, uh, and Demon Knights as well. And Shane says, got to go with Spider-Man, X-Men, Justice League, and Avengers. Woof. So thank you to everyone who wrote in. That's awesome. Yeah. Such a great response. Uh, can't wait to hear what you guys think of our lists. Obviously, um, at Talking Comics on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Talking Comics, uh, info at TalkingComicBooks.com uh, for emails. Uh, we do have a couple uh, listener questions to talk about. Uh, so this is from Maxfield. He wrote in on uh, Facebook. He says, so I've been reading a number of articles lately over digital comics and what exactly is one's ownership of them. I love reading comics on my tablet, but do you feel like your digital comics purchases are safe? Joey, what do you think about this? Um, after I saw that question, I, I looked at or for these articles that, that he mentions in the question, and according to all of them, we don't actually own these digital comics according to the terms and conditions. We are essentially like subscribing to some license to use them and to read them and enjoy them but if the service goes down or if they choose to end it we it, they're not ours so we we don't have them anymore um i don't think that it scares me into not reading digital comics just because it is so convenient particularly with all those back issues mm-hmm. um but i've been kind of straddling the world between books that i really pull every week and and want to have the physical copies and then you know, if I lose access to Marvel Unlimited, I'm not going to feel like my life is over. Um, I think it's an interesting question and one that I hadn't really thought about until it was raised. Yeah, I mean, the Marvel Unlimited obviously is a complete subscription service. It's just like Netflix or Spotify. You don't own that sub, obviously. Um, right. And while, yes, I mean, technically you only own the license to read the product online, that's really the truth for everything you buy, even physically. You don't own the, the work inside that comic book. You can't do whatever you want with the comic book that you buy physically either. Right, but to actually have it with you, you're never going to like lose it. Like It's not going to go away unless well, I mean, you could your lose grandmother it. throws that <laughs> yeah, out exactly. to go right. all the way back to full circle. Um, I, I think, uh, honestly, I, I, what I think, I, obviously we're getting into uncharted territory here in this kind of thing. Right. Um, this is a whole show. Uh, no, but I mean, as <laughs> far generally as just digital rights to things, you know, uh, like you like for Steam, for instance, the video game service, Valve has basically said, look, if if the if the situation happens wherever we're going out of business and we have to close down the servers, we will create a way for you to download all your games and be able to play them offline without connection to our servers, blah blah blah, whatever. <clears throat> and I feel like Comicsology would do the same thing, right. um, you know. Uh, I don't feel unsafe doing it, but it all depends on how attached you are to this item, you know, that, yeah. that, that you're collecting. You know, if you really feel unsafe about it, if you download all the books that you own on those services, like on your iPad, they, they all exist on your iPad, whether or not Comixology goes down anyway, you know, so they take up space, there's a file on a physical device, so you can be safe that way if that ever happens. Um you know, it's, for me, it's like you can't ex- – if Comixology ever goes out of business, you can't expect them to keep their servers running just because you have books on it. Mm. It's like if a storage company goes out of business, they're not going to let you keep all your stuff there. You're going to have to get your stuff out of storage. Right. So, you know, I, I hopefully they'd unlock those files and let you store them somewhere if that ever happened. I, I wouldn't really worry about it, though, at, at this point. And right. that's my opinion anyway. Anybody else have anything they want to say about it? Mm-mm. No? Yeah. Okay. Um, this is from Clint Hayes. Um so the Fantastic Four reboot has started pre-production. Casting news can't be too far behind. Who are the people's picks to fill the unstable molecule dudes this time around? Bob, you did a whole article about this. Yes, that I did. you can did. find on TalkingComicBooks.com, obviously. Yep. Um, so why don't you lead us off here? 
Well, I had John Hamm as Reed Richards, mm-hmm. Rachel McAdams okay. as Susan Richards, uh, Liam Hensworth as Johnny Storm, okay. and Jeffrey Dean Morgan. As a thing. As, the as thing. a thing. As, okay. ben Grimm. as Ben Grimm, and they will CGI something that, over. That, that is very good casting. You haven't thought list. about that in a long time. Yeah. Uh, uh, Steve, you got anything for My us? My list is Bob's list. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously. I, was, I helped Bob with that particular article. Mm-hmm. And I had my own list, and as I was preparing Bob's stuff, he convinced me on every one of his casting choices. <laughs> and, um, I mean, my my crippling uh, with the castings, I always pick the same damn people all <laughs> right. the time. I just don't pay very much attention to Hollywood and who I like and who I don't like. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm more about directors than I am about actors. Uh, but... I would absolutely love to see Bob's casting choice. I think they're all wonderful. But I will say that before that, John Hamm was my uh, Reed Richards. So ha. Uh. <laughs> all right. <laughs> ha ha. Ha ha ha. Joey, what about you? Um, I like that cast. I, I saw on the internet, because I'm terrible at these kind of dream casting things, I, I went in and checked, and I saw Billy Crudup, who played Dr. Manhattan in, in The Watchmen, oh. as a or as a interesting dream role person for, for Reed Richards, which I could also see in addition to John Hamm. And someone who I did think would be awesome in a Fantastic Four film would be Mads Mikkelsen, oh, who yeah. was the Shifra in uh, Casino Royale Royale as Dr. Doom. Yeah. Yeah. Just because he's so badass. And he's also playing Hannibal right now uh, in the the TV show. So he'd be interesting. He'd be interesting. Yeah, definitely. Um, I actually think the guy who's playing, um, what's his name? Will, the the protagonist in the Hannibal show. Okay. Um, Hugh Dancy. Uh, I think would be a really good Reed Richards as well. He's a little young, but I think they are casting young for these things generally. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The the only real clear thing I had for this, and it would really have to be depending on, on the ages of the casting and also how much of Doctor Doom's face you're going to see, but I think that Benedict Cumberpatch would be the fucking greatest Doctor Doom ever. <laughs> he should play all the roles. He'd play all the roles. <laughs> he could also be a good Reed Richards, actually. I think he would be an excellent Reed Richards right. a- as well. But that voice, the voice that he has... You hear that voiceover in those Star Trek trailers, and it's like, first of all, he sounds like he's 55 years old. He doesn't sound like he's you know, 31. <laughs> um, but it's such a menacing, imposing, booming, intelligent voice that I, I would love that if that was behind that mask, it would it would it would make it would make my day. So you're saying Cumberbatch is like this generation's Christopher Lee, is what you're saying? Yeah, essentially, he does have that kind of voice. He does have a Christopher Lee. Uh, a kind of voice. I also think, speaking of Star Trek, and uh, just think of this, I, I don't think that um, God, I I'm not gonna Zachary Quinto would be a bad uh, Reed Richards either. Oh yeah, um, hmm. he's also got the intelligence to him. He's got the look to him. He's tall. He's hmm. I think, you know, the I think Rachel McAdams is a great choice uh, for Sue Storm, and I, I think there are a couple actors that fit into that thing. I wish Chloe Grace Moretz was older because I think she would be great at it. Yeah, um, or younger, she could be. I wish Valeria. Valeria. Yeah. She's younger, yeah. she could be Valeria. <laughs> yeah. That, that's yeah. that's absolutely true. So the one thing you come you, you mentioned it earlier, it's about the age of this. Yeah, you know, Reed and Ben are significantly older than Sue, right? And she's older than Johnny. Yeah, if done yeah. to the books. Yeah. Now they may not. Yeah, we saw that happen already. Yeah, um, I also think Michael Rooker would be a great thing. 
Michael Rooker would be great yeah. at everything. <laughs> Michael Rooker, Benedict Cumberbatch. Just put him in everything. And Fastbender. And Fastbender, and fast and fast right? Yeah. Yeah. I also saw Yvonne Strahovski for, for Invisible oh. Woman. She was on Dexter. Yeah, and, and she's also, she was yeah. in, on Chuck, Chuck as well. Yeah. She would be really good. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. She's also damn sexy as well. I like that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that works. Absolutely. And, uh, like, you know, there, I also have a soft spot for someone like John Cusack, who I think would be great. You know, um, he's got... He always seems so. He's got great at being intelligent on screen. I feel like, you, you know, he portrays thinking very, very well. Mm. Um, he might I be a little bit applying effects to him, though. No, I'm talking yeah. about a, why. What to be Mr. Fantastic? Yeah, yeah. No, John John Cusack. Yeah, he's just not I, stretchy. Just I can't, can't see it. He's just not stretchy. I can't he's see not it. Stretchy. <laughs> I could see him. I could see him in the suit doing the intelligence bit. I can't see him doing action sequences. So, but, but, I mean, why? <laughs> Unless they're in the rain, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I don't know. I don't think he has... I don't know. It's just me. I like John Cusack. Don't mm-hmm. get me wrong. I like him. But he can come off as a little bit of a wimp sometimes. I guess. But I, I, I think that... I, I think that Reed needs to have that that sort of range to his character, though. Because I think that... I, I, I think especially in a, in a first movie, you have to take him from being that guy to being the kind of stern badass leader it, it's funny too because those fantastic four movies are not good the the, the first two and it's uh, funny because uh the guy who plays mr fantastic whose name i cannot remember right now ian grufford ian, ian grufford is a freaking great actor and, oh and, yeah and he's but he's horrible in those movies <laughs> and, and if you saw him the other things he did you'd be like that guy would be a really good choice to play mr fantastic right, you showed me the tv set where he oh was he's great. great in the tv set he's awesome in that movie but like you know, it's just funny that he just couldn't do it in the way because the movie's bad. You know, that's just, yeah. I think that's just the reason why. Uh, speaking of, well, I don't know if it's a bad FF movie, but Steve showed me a website because there's a yep. movie being made, a documentary about the Roger Corman Fantastic Four movie oh, wow. <laughs> called Doomed. Is that what? Uh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, if you want to follow them on Twitter, uh, I think it's Doomed FF is the Twitter handle at Doomed FF. They are who are in charge of basically getting this whole thing together. They're trying to raise awareness of this film. And I believe it's going to be a Kickstarter or it's going to be some kind of event where there will be prizes. And some of those prizes are actual props and things Hmm. from the film. Um, Posters, one sheets, costumes. The actual thing from the film, you'll win it. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And uh, put them in the corner of your living room. It'd be great. Yeah, they want to. They they said they got a lot of people on board doing interviews and behind the scenes stuff, awesome. and they they want to they want to get it out there. That's awesome. Hey, is that that cheapy movie made for hundred million dollars is better than the yeah. Fox ones they just made. Yeah. <laughs> no, really, you should. It's yeah. it's at every convention, Joey. Yeah. Go get yourself a bootleg. Steve has a copy. I bought yes, one for his birthday. Though I will <laughs> I'll say, take a look. The, I'll take a look. The one thing about those Fantastic Four movies is, I mean, obviously he's Captain America now, but Chris Evans was great as Johnny Storm. He was yeah. like the, he was the highlight of those movies, and Lawrence Fishburne was very good as the voice of the Silver Surfer in the second right. one. The last twenty twenty five minutes of the Silver Surfer one, not including the cloud, yeah, it's a pretty good Fantastic Four movie. Yeah. But we you had to slog through three hours and change oh, yeah. to get to that. No, no one should right. watch those movies. There's no, there's no. no it, but but there are a few highlights of those movies, just not much of them. Um, <laughs> Thank just, you, Fox. Jessica Alba is horrible in them. And I actually like her. You know, I don't think she's a great actress, but mm. I actually like her. She's horrible in those movies. Um, all right, this is from Jake. He says, I'm a huge fan of the show, and I noticed that most of you are avid gamers. Well, my question is, what non-comic book story 
video game, movies, books, etc., would you like to see brought to life in the wonderful world of comic book panels? Steve, why don't you go first? In comic books? Yeah. Um, Any other medium into a comic book? Oh, man. I know they've already done a few, but... um. Oh, let me... Can we go back to me? Can you go first? Sure. I'm sorry. Okay, I'm look. Just... The real problem is movies can do so much now. Where mm. before, years ago, you were better off seeing the comic book version than the movie version of superheroes. Yeah. Mm. Um, I mean, from games, I want to see Cards Against Humanity, the comic book. That's what I want to see. But, but, but seriously... Yeah. I'd like them to take another shot at Doc Savage and do it properly. Mm. I'd like to see Dynamite, who, not counting Miss Fury, what they're doing with masks and Green Hornet, whatever. Bring back Doc Savage into the 1930s. There are a hundred and something novels that were pulp magazine stories. Mm. He's got a team. He lives in the Empire State Building. He's got all sorts of crazy technology, helicopters and laser guns. It's a great character. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Joey, what, what do you got for us? Um, I have uh, two. One is I'm just looking at my sort of video games here on my shelf, and I'm wondering if they ever did a Red Den Redemption comic book. I don't think um, so, but mm. I don't think so. But I feel like uh, Westerns, and I know that DC has, I don't know if they still have, is All-Star Western still yeah. running? Yeah, it is. You know, and, and it's it's an interesting book, and I feel like Westerns used to be a part of, of the comics culture mm-hmm. in, a, in a very big way, and I think that Red Dead Redemption was so good. I think it's very um, translatable. Mm-hmm. Um, another one, just perusing the interwebs today and, and seeing that the NBC Friends reunion might not go through. Maybe let's see the Friends comic uh, <laughs> uh, go on and, and continue the adventures of our uh, New York uh, uh, crew. Mm. I got one. Go ahead, Steve. Jason Aaron and Dexter Soy present Shadow of the Colossus. Wow. And like a big, they, they move to Archaea and they do a big, <laughs> fat, beautiful hardcover mm-hmm. of Shadow of the Colossus. No words. <laughs> Just panels. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, very few words, though. Yeah. Uh, I think that that would be just gorgeous you could have it be the size of that enormous comic that came out mm-hmm. like that big giant or the size of tome yeah uh 44 floods tome and just have these huge sprawling epic pages um either that or if you want to do something a little bit more uh smaller you can go for um Ico mm-hmm. was uh was another one of that group's uh video games uh shadow of the colossus is my my favorite of all time i think that would be ridiculous a lot of the games that i'm thinking of they're already comic books they're like, I, comic like books silent games, hill yeah um i think metal Mental gear solid is already one too yeah yeah um i mean i would love to all right i would love to see tetris the comic <laughs> <laughs> i'd love to see um bioshock infinite in, yeah. a, in yeah. a comic but i feel bioshock infinite the game did such a stupendous job that it's something that i don't know that i want to see translated into mm-hmm. anything else i do not want to see that as a movie right i don't right the, the way those things are the way that he makes games especially they're not ever meant to be movies the way he tells stories it's so specific to how you can experience a game yeah. and that's why he's so they're so good because it's, he's not just making a movie script into a game he's making a, a story that you can only experience in a game um uh, oh, I got one. For me, there are a couple. Um, first of all, in the game space, very easy. And I don't think they've done this, which is weird, but like a really good infamous 
style comic book based on that that Sony video game, which is a superhero video game, I think could be awesome. And it doesn't have to be based on the story of the video game, but it can be, you know, something. And they might have done one, but an ongoing series kind of based in that world, I think could be really interesting. Mm. Um, other things, I would love to see a, uh, much like he's done with Buffy and Angel, I'd love to see a Firefly uh, comic oh. uh, written by Joss Whedon, you know, for the first arc, like he did with the other stuff, and uh, really knocked it out of the park. Uh, you know, um, yeah. I'd love to see, like, I mean, Lost is probably my favorite show of all time. I'd love to see something with that. <laughs> uh, and I'd love to see, uh, actually, a Harry Potter comic. Um, oh. And I, I and if they want to just do the books. Like, I would love to see all the stuff that's in the books visually laid out. You know, what they couldn't do. And I always thought they should do some sort of like animated show of Harry Potter and just do the whole series animated show. Um, but if they could do a comic series and it you know did all seven books and it did everything in all those books, I think that would be awesome. Um, much like and also fill in other gaps, like do some of the history stuff, mm-hmm. do some of the stuff that's with his parents and with the the, the first yeah. war. Much like they would the they what Peter David does with a lot of help you know from other people for the Dark Tower stuff. Yeah. I think that could be really interesting and really successful uh, comic book adventure. I would love to mm. see uh, Chuck Palahniuk has this book called Haunted. Oh yeah, that yeah. I would absolutely mm. love to. It is one of the most depraved and disgusting <laughs> things I've ever read in my life. <laughs> to it would have to be done by the right people. Uh, maybe Steve Niles could give it a, mm. a, a whirl, but um, yeah, that would be disgusting. I'd love it. <laughs> um, and really quick, I just want to mention this because it's kind of the, the Iron Satin. Uh, I don't want to miss it. We'll t- I'll talk about it more next week, but. Um, I played through at least the whole story mode of Injustice uh, Gods Among Us, uh, which is obviously the DC game made by the Mortal Kombat people, and it was awesome. I mean, the uh, if you like the Mortal Kombat story uh, from Mortal Kombat 9, uh, you'll, you'll like this. If you're a DC fan, it's much more rooted in DC lore than I really expected it to be. It, what it really is, is it's a, it, it's, you know, it starts out in regular DC continuity um, where... Uh, Joker is trying to blow up Metropolis with a bomb and the, the Justice League is running, rushing to get him a couple of members of the Justice League and as they're running to get him a few of them including the Joker gets sucked into a, an alternate timeline where Metropolis has been destroyed by a nuclear bomb and Superman has gone kind of crazy and basically taken over the world I mean like no more crime I can't let anything else, anybody else die I'm going to rule it and it's become kind of like this totalitarian leader and you've been drawn into this universe by that universe's Batman to try to, to, to help them out. Hmm. Um, really cool story where you play as all these different characters. Uh, you know, uh, I don't know what DC's obsession or the DC game side is obsessed with Solomon Grundy, but he is a, <laughs> he is a character again in this game, much like he was in the Arkham games. Um, but it's really cool. It, it puts interesting spins on everything. It's not, you know, it's not an earth that we've seen in other, in, in any other comic book, but it, it you know, Lex Luthor is not a is not a bad guy in this other earth. He's a good guy. You know, there's all this stuff. Her, her name is Harleen, not Harley Quinn. I mean, a little differences, but a lot of stuff is the same. A lot of people are dead that would would be alive. Um, and you get to play through it. Some the some of the super movies are awesome. I mean, the one like Superman uppercuts you into space and then he flies oh. up and punches you down from space. Uh, and <laughs> uh, Flash runs around the world and punches you when he comes around. Um, bunch of really cool things, um, and it's cool because the, my one complaint was if, Bat, if this happened to Batman, he'd be dead. But they make this excuse, they, they make a little story excuse that you know all of the kind of heroes who have turned to Superman's side in this bad world, um, he's given them these pills that have Kryptonian DNA in them that strengthen them, make their bones 
mostly indestructible, make them almost as powerful as Superman, but not quite. So, and they give these pills to mm-hmm. the the kind of insurgents or whatever. They steal them and give them to them, so they're able to withstand this kind of punishment. Uh-huh. Um, but it's a cool story. It's a lot of fun. You know, it makes me really want them to make like a a proper like third person action game with these characters doing these awesome things. But it, it, it's great. It, it really is. And for a DC fan, you can't ask for anything else. Uh, I got two more really quick. Yeah. Uh, Dead Space would be a great comic They did series. a bunch of comics. for. Did they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, was it good? I didn't read it. I think they're Archaea, though. Oh. Oh, uh, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Okay. Um, and the other one is Metro 2033. Oh, yeah, that would be awesome. Which I just played through. Um, very, very... Uh, it, it has its hiccups and stuff, mm-hmm. but... Um, I kept telling my friend, I said, it's a, it's a 2010 game that feels like a 2006. But <laughs> all of the story elements are there. Very, very strong storytelling throughout uh, the book that I think would translate really, really great to the comic book page. Awesome. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, this next question is from Derek. He says, it is clear, this is to, to Bob. Bob, oh. it's clear that you are an X Factor fan. Are you familiar with the ecstatic run from the early 2000s with Dupe? It's now an omnibus form, and my cousin told me it was one of the best reads he has in comics. No, I'm not really. Mm. Only read just a few of them, but my limited experience with Dupe, you mm. know, with some some of the all red stuff, and then the Wolverine X Men issue. Now that that's omnibus, omnibus, I may have to pick that up myself. That was I have the omnibus. Yeah. It is gorgeous. It mm. is really wonderfully collected. It's really thick. Like some of these omnibuy are like omnibuy. There it is. Yeah. Um, are thin. You know, they collect 16 issues or so. All of Peter Milligan and Michael Allred's work uh, on Ecstatics is in this in this red omnibus, right? Mm-hmm. The the binding is red. It's it's really well done, um, and Michael Allred's work is just absolutely fantastic, regardless of what he's illustrating or mm-hmm. or doing. Um, it's really I've read through about half of it. It's really really good. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, that's something that's definitely on my list. My kind of newfound love for Michael Allred has made me want to go back and get all of that stuff. Um, this next question is from Luke. He says, hello, guys. Uh, I'm a big Green Lantern fan. I'm mostly Hal Jordan. But my question is, who do you think would be the best writer to bring Hal back and start a sort of Green Lantern renaissance? He says, I think Mark Wade, but I'm a Wade fanboy. Just wanted to know your thoughts. Thanks. So obviously we have Robert Venditti, who writes Exo Man of War and is right now writing Demon Knights uh, for DC. He's taking over for Jeff Johns. But if we had to pick a Green Lantern writer, who would we pick? Joey, why don't you start out? Abnett and Lanning? Uh, oh, Danny Abnett one. and Andy Lanning did all the, uh, I guess, space opera stuff over the last couple of years uh, for Marvel. They might mm-hmm. do an interesting job on Green Lantern over at DC. Yeah, that's that's a great choice. It's absolutely a great choice. Hmm. Um, Bob, you have a... You have a you have Jeff a... Parker. Oh, yeah. That would be a good one. Jeff Parker would be great. Uh, kind of, uh, I, I have... Uh, a, Super thing one. One thing I, 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 it depends on what kind of Green Lantern story that you, you want. You know, do you want big fun stuff? Do you want it to be kind of epic in scale? And thinking of the epic uh, reign and just what we've been talking about for the last you know couple minutes or whatever, I think Jason Aaron uh, doing a kind of giant kind of space opera, you know, full of that mythology. There, I, I think would be pretty awesome. I also think he'd be awesome writing Wonder Woman. I just wanted to say that before we get out of here. Uh, uh, Steve, uh, Karen Gillan. Oh, good one. Oh, yes. Yeah, put him on put him on that. Yeah, do that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I changed yeah. my vote. <laughs> yeah, I um I uh I think he would do a wonderful job. Mm-hmm. I would read that in a heartbeat. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So there I we think go. It's interesting. Everything we picked and Mark Wade included, it's all there's fun involved in it. Too. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. 
Um, this is from uh, Rob. He says, I just picked up Age of Ultron number six. I was displeased to find a new artist on the book, Brandon Peterson, whose style I'm not a huge fan of. It seems to be much more common these days, especially for Marvel, to push out more books and switch up off artists. Quantity over quality. Amazing, Superior Spider-Man, and New X-Men, I think he means all New X-Men, are two of the books that have balanced artists quite well, although I'm generally not a fan of this practice. They seem to have similar styles that make it work. I'm sure I'm in the vast minority, but I value art and story equally, and I have a tough time reading a book with a subpar artist, or even drastically different stylistically. I think subliminally I don't take it as seriously. I feel like it's a substitute social studies teacher trying to teach math. <laughs> I would much rather we not... We should ask Joey here. Yeah. <laughs> I would much rather not have an issue for a month and have someone other than Fiona Staples drawing Saga. What are your thoughts on this practice, artist switching team? Bob? In the ca- in the specific case of uh, co-creator, where mm-hmm. there was Fiona Staples, I'd be in complete agreement because then the whole thing goes off the rails. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sort of torn... Um, Back in the 70s, there were a lot of what they called inventory issues. Books were running really late. Mm-hmm. And so what you'd have is a framing sequence by the real artist and then some page, you know, 20 pages in the middle that meant nothing to the story because they wanted to get a book out. Right. The problem is a delay wouldn't be bad, but Uncanny Avengers, it would, took months for issues to come yeah. out. Uh that ends up, you lose all momentum in the storyline. It certainly can't help the sales. It's a rough go. I, I, I'd like to see books solicited, especially when you're dealing with something that's new. Don't solicit the second issue when you don't even have the first one done yet. Let, right. Wait till you have four in the can mm. before starting to solicit so you've got some lead time yeah. in case something goes wrong. These books are... are Look, they're expensive. I want the real book. I don't. I don't want delays either. Mm-hmm. I. I don't want the art to change drastically unless it's part of the process to begin with. Yeah, yeah, Steve. Um, I don't know. Changing art is is hard. I mean, the the more I read, the more I've I've experienced it, and sometimes it's been a welcome change. Other times, I don't even notice the mm-hmm. difference, uh, and then other times. I'm really kind of horrified by some of the stuff. What something that drives me nuts is when they split uh, an issue up into like yeah. two or three different artists, mm-hmm. yeah. and you'll have about eight pages worth of one person, and then four pages. Yeah. But it's not even that you switched artists. The art style is mm. so drastically different. Yeah. And not only is it drastically different, but you don't like it. Mm-hmm. It completely, completely just throws you off of your momentum within that book, and you only have a finite amount of pages to enjoy, 26 or 32 or whatever yeah. it is. And then, you know, you're cruising along, and then all of a sudden you turn the page, and you're like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. um, I can't remember what title it was, but uh, I came across a Marvel issue recently mm-hmm. that changed artists like three times within the book. Mm-hmm. And it really, really kind of threw me through a loop. Yeah. And I found myself so distracted by the change and by having to reorient myself that I just, I read like three pages without even really digesting what it is that mm-hmm. I just read. And then before I knew it, I was at the last page and I was like, wait a minute, what just happened? Yeah. Right. I was so you know, selfishly concerned that they had, you know, moved things around on me that I wasn't even paying attention to the book anymore. 
Uh, I don't mind it if I, I I don't mind if they change artists. Let's say per arc. I mean, wouldn't it be nice if you have a great artist that you love that they're always on the book, they're always on time, and it's just all perfect, and that's the way it is. That's not the way this works. Yeah. People walk off of books. People are doing other stuff. Creators want time for their own creator own things. Uh, and quite frankly, some of these artists get paid a hell of a lot more than others. And sometimes it's really expensive to keep somebody on the book. Yeah. Um, what is it? Um, old, uh, Uncanny X-Men, new issue comes out today. Uh, it is not Chris uh, Bocciolo. It's a new artist. It's Fraser Hines. Right. Uh, who's a great artist. I mean, he, he did a lot of uh, a big chunk of the Grant Morrison, Batman and Robin. Right. Uh, as well. Um. Yeah, but Bachalo. But is I'm like, right. I I love Bachalo. Oh, I yeah. just I really do that. I I saw that today, and I was like, ah, like not that I'm not. Mm. I'm I'm totally stoked because I love that series. Yeah. It's great. But at the same time, I'm gonna be picking that book up and opening it, knowing that I need to kind of set myself back to zero. Mm-hmm. Uh, art, artfully speaking, if that's even what I'm getting okay. at here. <laughs> well, what you're talking about just happened with me with World's Finest, which was a book that would have been on my list, mm-hmm. except we went from... We had two different artists in, in Kevin McGuire and George Perez, each doing either the past or the present, mm-hmm. replaced by three nobodies, each one worse than the, the one before. Mm-hmm. The book had no momentum whatsoever. It was very jarring, and it's... It's now in danger of me dropping it. Mm-hmm. Joey, what do you think about this? I mean, I, I completely agree with um, a lot of what, what Steve said. And just to kind of give you, give an example of, of what Steve's talking about, uh, Gambit by James Asmus was, was a series that I was, I was very excited for. Gambit was one of my favorite characters growing up. Um, but after the first issue, we had switches off between Clayman and um, I can't remember who was who was kind of filling in for him in the middle of an issue every couple of pages mm. and I think that really killed any momentum that that book may have had going up and I, I still read it in it and the story works and it's it's interesting but the art just is so off the wall sometimes and how it's split up that I think that that book isn't getting the attention that it could have gotten had the art been, I think, a little bit more consistent. Yeah, yeah, I mean, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, we 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 talked about it very much when when the the swamp thing issue came out with with the the change of art and the complete change in tone of art, and that's a doesn't make sense to me. I mean, there's realities, obviously. There's realities to the business. There's realities back that look, comics want to be a mainstream medium, and you cannot you cannot start delaying books because the people who aren't entrenched are going to be like. Why isn't the book out? It said it was coming out today. Yeah. You know, you don't go to the you don't go to the you don't go to Best Buy when Dan- Django and Chain's supposed to come out and they go, "Oh, it got delayed a week." You know, that doesn't happen. You know, and and it, and if a movie gets delayed, it's big news and it happens months and months before it's ever supposed to come out. And and it seems like in comics it's like it's like there's like a they like slyly are like, "You know, it's not coming out." You know, they don't really even they don't want anybody to know. Whispers. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> uh, exactly. Um so yeah, I, I but I, I think that like Bob said, when it's intentional, like this thing, like a new arc is starting on Uncanny X Men, you know, they're very clear that an, an artist and a, a top flight artist is taking over for another top flight artist. This is what's going to happen. It's not changing in the middle of the issue. It's going to happen for an arc, and then Pachal will probably be back. But the fact is, these books get written very fast. Some of them, these these mm-hmm. these double ship books. It's like you, you you can't expect you can't expect these artists to be able to pump out this amount of content you know, that quickly if you want it to be mm-hmm. high quality. You know, it's a different industry than it used to. Be. <clears throat> yeah, 
Absolutely. Um, oh, and also, I mean, speaking of Gambit, uh, Dexter Soy is supposed to be taking over art duties for a little while on Gambit. So what? Word. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> That oh, no, cool. I have to buy Gambit. Oh, man. Uh, bon Dieu. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's, uh, that's it for listener questions. Thank you guys so much again. Info at TalkingComicBooks.com, at TalkingComics on Twitter, Facebook.com slash TalkingComics. Um, let's get to what's on the shelves uh, right now. Uh, from Abstract Studios, we have Rachel Rising, number 16. Yeah. Uh, we've got... Um, from Avatar Press, Night of the Living Dead Aftermath, number seven. Um, from Boom Studios, we have Adventure Time, number 15. Me. Uh, Deathmatch, number five. Freelancers, number five. Peanuts, number eight. And Steed and Mrs. Peel, number seven. Yay! Uh, <laughs> <clears throat> from Dark Horse Comics, we have Amala's Blade, number one of four. Ooh. We have Angel and Faith, number 21. Answer, number four of four. BPRD Vampire, number two. Yeah. Uh, we have uh, Dark Horse Presents, number 23. Dragon Age, Until We Sleep, number two of three. Massive, number 11. Mind Management, number 10. Yes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> um, okay, well, this is going to be good. Star Wars Legacy, volume two. Prisoner of the Floating World, number two. Uh, uh, okay. D- yeah. That was well done. Need, needs yeah, more words. Uh, DC Comics, All-Star Western, number 19. Uh, the big deal about this is that Booster Gold is going to be in uh, All-Star Western, number 19. What? What? Is WTF? <laughs> I'm sure he's behind the he gatefold. Is, he is. Yeah. Because, it, you know, it, it says something like the, 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 the first black card is something about, something about gold. Like, you know, there's a new gold standard in town and you can see a gun holding, like a, a gold handling a gun. So I guarantee you, we pull that cover out, it's me booster. Um, but it makes me kind of want to buy it because I like booster gold. Uh, Arrow number six, Batman Incorporated number 10. Batman the Dark Knight, number 19. Before Watchmen, Comedian, number 6 of 6. That's still coming out. (laughs) Going out like a fart in the wind. Uh, Flash, number 19. Fury of Firestorm, The Nuclear Men, number 19. Uh, I, Vampire, number 19. Last issue. Uh, It is last issue. Injustice, Gods Among Us, number 4. Justice League Dark, number 19. Katana, number 3. Red Lanterns, number 19. Savage Hawkman, number 19. Superman, number 19. Um, Superman Family Adventures number 12 which is the final issue uh, Talon number 7 uh, Teen Titans number 19 and Unwritten number 48 oh there you go uh, Dynamite we have Bionic Woman number 9 Garthinus is Jennifer for Blood number 26 Masks number 6 of 8 Yay. Queen Sonia number 35 <laughs> Shadow number 12 um, from IDW we have Alan Roberts Killology number 4 of 4 G.I. Joe number 3 We've got Haunted Horror, number four. Highways, number four. Last Sweet. issue. Yeah. Jin Rise, number four of five. Um, we've got Judge Dredd, year one, number two. Uh, Kill Shakespeare, The Tide of Blood, number three of five. Kiss Solo, number two. My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic, number six. Hooray. My Little Pony Micro Series, number three. Teen- Teenage Ninja Turtles, number 21. Transformers. More than meets the eye. Yes, yes. number seventeen. <laughs> Back on target. Um, and True Blood number twelve uh, from Image Comics. We have Clone number six, Darkness number one twelve, Distant Soil number thirty nine, East of West number two. Yes. The End Times of Brahmin Ben number four, Five yeah. Weapons number three of five, I Love Trouble number five. Sweet. <laughs> Invincible number one o two, Jupiter's Legacy number one. Oh yeah. Pretty excited about that. 
uh, Mark Millar and uh, Frank Quietly. Um, Lost Vegas, number two of four. Nice. Manhattan Projects, number 11. Mighty Skull Kickers, number one. <laughs> Morning Glories, number 26, which is $1. Yes. Start of season two. Jumping on point, people. Do, Do it. it. As well as Morning Glories, volume four. The volume that just ended. Oh, Trade Back is out shit. today. Wow. Uh, yeah. Um, and hold on. Whispers, number five, is out. Holy <laughs> crap. <laughs> It finally came. (laughs) Today is the day. Until you have it in your hand, boss. I have to read issues one through four again, (laughs) just so I can remember what the hell was going on from six whole months ago. Wow. Damn. Uh, Witch Doctor, Mall Practice, number six of six. Um, Marvel Comics, we have A plus X, number seven. Yay. Uh, We've got... Uh, Avengers number ten, Girl. Avengers Arena number eight, uh, Deadpool number yeah. eight, Deadpool Illustrated number four of four, Fantastic Four number seven, yeah. FF number six, yes. Fury Max number eleven, Gambit number eleven, oh. Guardians of the Galaxy number two, Sweet. Uh, Journey into Mystery number six fifty one, hooray! Um, we've got Morbius Living Vampire number four, uh, New <laughs> Avengers number five, <laughs> we've got uh, Scarlet Spider number sixteen. Um, we've got Ultimate Comics Spider-Man number 22. Yes. Uncanny Avengers number seven. Um, we've got Uncanny X-Men number five. Wolverine mm-hmm. the X-Men number 28. We've got Extermination number two of two. And we've got Young Avengers number four. Woo. Um, <laughs> from Oni Press, we've got Courtney Crumman volume three. We've got Helheim number two written by Cullen Bunn. And we've got uh, Double Fine Action Comics volume one and two. Wow. What uh, is that? Only Press. I'm guessing it's something to do with the video game company, uh, Double Fine, oh. who makes yeah, all... Maybe. Yeah. Um, we've... Uh, let's see what we got here. We... I think that might be it. No. Valiant. Oh, we've got Volume 1 of Shadow Man. Uh, and from Xenoscope, we've got Grim, Grim Fairy Tales Presents Unleashed, number one. And Grim Fairy Tales Presents Vampires the Eternal, number one. Wow. Big week in comics, as usual. Uh... But that is it uh, for the show. Um, I mentioned a few times when I get in touch with us. Uh, please, guys, but write in and let us know what you think. And also come to the website at com and comment on, on articles, and we'll, we'll talk to you there. Steve's articles, Bob's articles, mine, Joey's, um, Travis and, and Tali and M, who have been doing such an amazing job uh, uh, for our news team, all our viewers, Melissa and uh, Mara and Adam, and Sean, you guys have everyone's been kicking ass, um, and I want to thank everybody for that. Uh, my personal Twitter is at Bobby Shortle. Steve's is mine is at Dead Anchor, uh, Dead underscore Anchorus. Uh, Bob, huh. Bob Ryer at TalkingComicBooks.com. and Joey at Joey Bracino, B R A C C I N O. All right, awesome, Joey. Thank you so much uh, for coming on and doing this with us tonight. No, thank you. It was fantastic. Um, we promised you guys a longer show, and we gave you about an, a two-hour-and-a-half show, so Ooh. there we go. Uh, and so that two-and-a-half hours is going to wrap up Tongue Comics for this week. So for Steve... Uh, Hawkeye. <laughs> Bob. Avita uh, Zane. And Joey. Bye. I have been Bobby. Until next time on Talking Comics, to be continued. Continued.